Welcome, everybody. Welcome to episode number 24 of Sports Cards Live. This one I'm extra excited about. I think I think if you've been watching Sports Cards Live from the beginning, um, you know, here's episode 24. I'm always excited about these shows. I, I, I get I just look forward to them all day long, all week long. And uh, but this one, this one's a little bit special for me because of who my guest is and his influence on me um, really from the beginning of me doing this and really from about almost two years ago now. So before we get to tonight's episode, I do want to just give thanks to the last couple of episodes that we had, the last couple of guests back on June 24th, episode number 22. I had Steve Grad, the lead authenticator for Beckett Authentication Services and a veteran over 130 episodes of Pawn Stars. Steve was an awesome guest, so go check that one out. That lives on the YouTube channel, along with the whole library of episodes of Sports Cards Live. So go check that one out. I also want to thank Paul Lesko, the hobby's preeminent legal analyst. Paul joined me uh, on Saturday night for episode number 23. An amazing guest. He gave us a, a real nice review of all the legal cases that are going on in the hobby. Um, and, you know, this guy, he's a lawyer, he's, he's an analyst, and um, the information and the insights that he shared were really awesome. So that episode as well is on the YouTube channel. Please go check that one out if you have some time. And if you are willing to and uh, want to subscribe to the channel, I would greatly appreciate that as well. Sports Cards Live on YouTube. Again, before we get to tonight, I do want to also announce a few of the upcoming guests that we have coming. On Saturday, July 4th, my guest will be none other than the, I mean, he's kind of famous in Canada as far as collectors go. His name is Sean Chalk. Sean Chalk, he is a, he's really the world's foremost Wayne Gretzky collector. He's been in the media several times over the years. His collection is awe-inspiring. So be sure to check that out on Saturday, July the 4th. That'll be episode number 25. On July the 8th, episode 26, my guest will be one of the most passionate collectors you'll ever meet. His name is Adam. He goes by the real 27 guy on Instagram. He's got a ton of followers. He does a ton of cool stuff on there. It's going to be a really chill out, chilled out sort of episode with myself, you know, a passionate collector, Adam, another passionate collector. We're going to have a great conversation. Then on July the 11th, my guest will be, and Chris, you're going to want to hear this one. My guest will be a gentleman by the name of Chris Barr, who is the brand manager for basketball at Panini. Someone I go way back with, and I am very excited to have Chris join. He's been with Panini for several years now. He's been working on, ba on the basketball product for a while. He's going to be my guest on July the 11th. And then on July the 15th, my guest will be Grant Sandground, who is the Director of Product Development for Upper Deck. So I had Billy Celio on uh, about a month ago. This is Billy's boss, Grant Sandground, pretty senior guy at Upper Deck, lots of experience, uh, formerly worked with Beckett. Uh, so this guy is going to be an awesome guest, tons of insight, ton of really interesting information coming from Grant. So be sure to check that one out on July the 15th. I want to wish happy Canada Day. Today's July the 1st, Canada Day up here in Canada for anyone who's in Canada watching. Happy Canada Day to you and your families. I'll also let you guys know, I've upgraded my internet connection again. So I'm going to, hopefully there's no uh, no real technical difficulties here and I don't get kicked out of the studio tonight because that was terrible. 
uh, at the end of the episode with Steve Grad back on June 24th. Again, if you're new to the show, thank you for watching. Thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe to the channel on YouTube if you don't mind. And uh, let's get on with things. So we have tonight Chris McGill. Chris is the co He's a co-host of The House of Jordans, one of my favorite, if not my favorite, YouTube channel and podcast. He's also co-founder of Card Ladder, which is a new valuation tool for these pieces of cardboard that we all love so much. So without any further ado, let's bring out Chris McGill. Chris McGill, welcome to episode 24 of Sports Cards Live. How are you doing this evening, my friend? Thank you, sir. I, I believe this is episode 23, part two. That's a good um, point. To be technical here, just uh, for the, uh, where am I? There we are, for, for the Jordan numerology uh, that we love to dweeb out about. Um, and what a tremendous lineup of guests. I'm not worthy of being sandwiched in between the level of guests that you've had. I've been watching Sports Cards Live from episode one with Carvin, and it's only gotten better somehow, and that's set quite a bar. Uh, so... Thank you so much for having me, for, for giving me an opportunity to come on and talk to your audience. Well, thanks for joining me, Chris. I mean, it's, uh, you're, you're, you're not outside your class here. Um, I mean, as I mentioned in the intro, you know, I've been watching your, I've been listening to your podcast. This goes back to well over a year ago. I would be going out for walks in the evening after the kids were in bed. And um, I was listening to House of Jordans on my AirPods walking around and and it was fun it was fun because those episodes are very long those episodes are longer than my show so if anyone knows how long my shows go chris's old uh, house of jordan's podcast they would go up to four hours sometimes so i'd get like a good week of uh of entertainment out of each one which was great i didn't want it to end that's how much i enjoyed it so you're at, but not only that you've then transitioned over to youtube you've got a collection of shows on youtube with you and your 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 co-hosts You've got the other project card ladder, which we're definitely going to get to. Before we move on, though, Chris, we're already the comments are pouring in. Let's say hi. Let's say hi to the viewers. Let's welcome everybody to the show. And uh, great. I'm seeing that we're having trouble streaming to YouTube right now. So if you're watching on YouTube, I apologize for that. But on the Facebook side of things, we should be good. We will just continue. So. First of all, we have Sean. Sean was excited for this one. Thank you, Sean, for that comment. Rodman, hope you're here, buddy. Hope you're here now. Always great to see you, my man. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Super Striker, can't wait. Hopefully you made it tonight. Ziggy's in the house. Ziggy, welcome to the show. Every one of your interviews is better than expected. I appreciate that, Ziggy. I appreciate that a ton, man. Thank you so much. Amish Dave, what's going on, Jeremy? Man, just another night of Sports Cards Live. Hoping that it's a great, another, I'm not hoping. I know this is going to be a great episode. I'm super excited. We're going to get to it, but let's just say hi to everybody still. Thank you for the Happy Canada Day. Awesome, awesome. Super Striker, the best show on the internet, man. Thank you so much. Personal Finance Dad, welcome to the show. Thank you for watching Sports Hobby Culture. Get your popcorn out, brother. Thank you so much. What else? What does my shirt say? My, I'm wearing my Com C shirt tonight, Jeff. It says, buy your next card on Com C. I try to wear hobby shirts when I can, and I always say, if you if you're gonna be on my if you know I got I got people from Upper Deck coming on people from Panini send me a T-shirt I'll wear it during the episode I, I love I love all these T-shirts so come on in Terry welcome to the show as always Vegas puck yes Chris Barr at Panini is well known as Vegas puck all over social media even eBay back in the day so he will be my guest coming up on the 11th of July 
Ziggy says, small community of awesome friends. This show is going to take off. Best interviews live with real answers. Thank you, Ziggy. Always appreciate your feedback and your reviews on your channel, guys. Ziggy has a YouTube channel called Ziggy No, just like his name in the on the comment there. Check it out. He does a weekly YouTube content review. He's featured Sports Cards Live several times. Ziggy, much appreciated. Thank you so much. Um, yes, really enjoy 90s basketball cards channel. I enjoy that too. Watched an episode today actually with all the graphs talking about card ladder. An excellent episode. So that I just watched it this afternoon actually. Richie, the mayor of Canada. Happy Canada Day. Welcome. Drive safe, Rich. I know you're on the highway right now. Be careful out there, my man. Going to send me a soccer shirt to wear. I will wear it, Super Strike Girl. I will wear it. All right. And I will wear an Islander shirt, uh, Richie. I'll wear it for sure. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We're going to have a, we're gonna have a lengthy discussion. we got a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. So get ready to ask some questions because uh, Chris is open to every question you may have. He, he said to me, you know, bring out the tough ones, especially as it applies to card ladder. We will give him an opportunity to explain what card ladder is and get to that. Now, let's start the show. So, Chris, I like to explain to the viewers kind of how we met, how we know each other. You're not somebody that I cold call and said, oh, hey, my name's Jeremy. Do you want to come on Sports Cards Live? That's not what happened. So I'm also going to say that a couple of days ago, we were, do we were meeting up uh, sort of in video on a video discussion. And I said to you, I don't remember how we met. And you reminded me how we met. Why don't you, uh, why don't you take this one? Oh, it's a great way to meet it because it it has a another layer of depth to it that speaks to why I love the hobby. So this is great. Uh, okay, so like you said, we'd been doing the House of Jordans podcast for a little while, and there was a huge auction that ended, and we love to cover auctions that featured high profile Michael Jordan cards for sale. And my friend Garrett Payton, who's involved with the card shop in Louisville, he's an amazing. Um, collector of Michael Jordan cards and, and many other players. He sent me a spreadsheet and he said, look, he's like, I tracked the top bidders, the winning bidders, their feedback scores on every Michael Jordan card in this auction. And guess what? This particular feedback score won all of these big cards. And it was the Michael Jordan Platinum Portraits PSA 10, which was one that I was extremely jealous of with lots of other cards too. So I said, this is great content for our show. So we uh, had a segment of our episode where we were analyzing the fact that somebody just bought a bunch of really big Michael Jordan cards. And then the day or two after the episode comes out, I get a Facebook message from, from you uh, after I think you saw me post the episode in one of the Michael Jordan card collector groups. And you said, hey, man, I just wanted to say, hey, I uh, like your stuff. And guess what? I was the guy who won all those Michael Jordan cards that you're talking about. And I was absolutely blown away by that. So we started chatting a bit. And just kind of became, you know, buds. And uh, yeah, that was that. That's a great way to meet somebody, is uh, somebody who's getting all the cards that you wish you had, and then yeah. he contacts you and says, "Hey, man, what's up?" So that is the story of how we met. Yeah, that, that's pretty funny because I, I'm 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 going for my evening walk, like I described before, and I'm listening to House of Jordans, my favorite, my, my really at that time the only you the only podcast that I would listen to that actually kept my attention that I wasn't like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of not interested. It kept my attention the whole way through, mostly because of your analytical approach to the hobby, which I just really admire and found very interesting. And I'm walking, listening, and I'm like, whoa, they're talking about me. I'm like, that, how funny is that? So, and you'll, 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 you'll hear soon if you listen to Chris's, if you guys follow Chris's uh, various shows on YouTube, 
I, I do speak to that. Um, so there we go. Just gave something away, but we will, we'll get to that again a little bit later. So let's talk about your, your really your YouTube, your hobby content program, because I have been a fan from the beginning. And then all of a sudden you guys transitioned from just a podcast on iTunes and the other platforms over to YouTube. And now House of Jordans actually had some visual attached to it instead of just audio. We could see what the three of you actually looked like, what your mannerisms were. It, it became, it just allowed us to feel, allowed me as a fan and well, as a listener to feel like I knew you a little bit more. And before we move on with that, I want to mention that. So you you have two co-hosts. One is your girlfriend, Christina, and the other is your cousin, Brian. And the three of you, you're all, you're all sports cards fans. You guys all love Michael Jordan. The show is called House of Jordans. Can you explain to the viewers why it's called House of Jordans? Because this is something that I find very insightful and really just interesting. Yeah, <clears throat> let me... Uh... Okay, so why it's called House of Jordans uh, is there's two levels to that. Uh, number one, it on you know the most obvious level, it's because our collections are Houses of Jordans, basically, and you know literally the image of our podcast is a very carefully constructed pyramid of cards that Christina built, layering the slabs on top of each other. It took a few hours. She did a great job with that. Uh, but then the deeper meaning is that we came uh, to realize before we did our podcast that the Michael Jordan market is a pretty good barometer for how sports cards as a whole are doing um, as a market, as collectibles, as enthusiasm of, of hobbyists and, and collectors everywhere. They seem to, to give a pretty good insight into how the hobby's doing. And then secondarily, especially in basketball, but it's kind of uh, uh, made its way across all genres of sports cards. Michael Jordan is a measuring stick and the performance of his most iconic cards in the market is really relevant to a how other all time greats cards are perceived. Uh, I, I constantly constantly hear players being described as either over or undervalued relative to Michael Jordan. So uh, in that sense, the sports card market kind of feels like it's sort of a house of Jordans or perhaps more accurate. The Jordans are the foundation. Uh, in that sense. And, and also just, uh, you know, Jordan cards, they, they seem to set the, the standard for up and coming players too. So, you know, when, when you're collecting a new player or a player who's on the verge of breaking out or a player who's ascending to, you know, all-time great status in basketball, Michael Jordan is a great measuring stick to say, if my guy can become, you know, half, if his legacy can become half of Michael Jordan's, if his legacy in the case of LeBron could match Michael Jordan's, if his legacy could exceed Michael Jordan's, here's the Michael Jordan card market. It's it's over 20 years since he last played his last game as a bull. And here's how those bulls cards, those playing years cards are performing. This is something that maybe I can reasonably expect my player to do 10, 20 years down the line. And collectors really think that way. You know, we think about how are our PCs going to look 10 years from now, 15 years, you know, 20 years from now. And so looking at the Michael Jordan market can be very insightful if you're trying to get a rough estimate of maybe what your player's market might look like, or maybe the potential that your player's market might have. Yeah. You know, what's awesome about that or really for me, what hits home and there's a specific reason for it. When you mentioned that, you know, Michael Jordan cards are somewhat of a barometer for the hobby. So I've been setting up at the expo in Toronto for 15 years in the national, you know, for 12 years. And there's this one gentleman who he sets up at the national and he walks the floor at the expo. And I had a Jordan rookie in my showcase about, I don't know, two years ago. It was raw. Anyway, he bought it from me and we started talking and, you know, we've 
we rubbed shoulders before, but we started talking and he said to me, basically what you just said, he said, you know what? I, I judge how the hobby is doing based on what Michael Jordan rookies are selling for in PSA 10. If, you know, back then they were selling for about $20,000. He said, if it dips down to below 18,000, I think that the hobby is starting to, it's hurting a little bit and I'm going to sell more of my inventory. If it's rising, I might hold off and keep it. He also, someone you don't even know, I, I don't even know his name. I just could recognize him. Does the same thing. He 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 uses Jordan cards, specifically the rookie, as a barometer for the health of the hobby overall. So you're not alone. He's not alone. And I'm guessing that 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 that, that to me is just a little bit of evidence that it's probably a reasonable approach. So really, really interesting stuff. A few more people have a few more people have joined. Reckless in the house. Welcome to the show. Uh, that must be um, Abdul from the Currency Project. Welcome, Abdul. Frankie, welcome to the show. Christina, this is Chris's girlfriend. Christina from Christina's Corner in House of Jordans. Christina, happy to have you watching. Personal <laughs> finance dad. Good points on Jordan setting all the standards for sure. All right. So you guys have been doing your podcast, House of Jordan, for a couple of years now, correct? Correct. A couple uh, years. But to be totally accurate, we started in December of 2018. So in hobby years, it feels like a decade. Yeah. But in real years, what that's about a year and a half. About a year and a half. In COVID time, it's about 10 years. So you've, you've, you've been doing it for a while. I've been, a, I've been a listener from basically since probably February of 2019 then. So if I said a couple of years, I overestimated. More like about a year and a half. But what's cool is that you guys, in my estimation, actually from my perception, from my chair, you're the first YouTube show to have spinoff shows, which I thought was just so cool because I mean, you laugh because I think I kind of coined the term for you way back in the day. And so your girlfriend, Christina, her, her she was the first spinoff called Christina's Corner. So anyone watching, you go to the House of Jordan's YouTube channel, you've got these different types of shows. You've got the House of Jordan's, you've got Christina's Corner, which is the first spinoff, the first official House of Jordan spinoff. And then you've got your spinoff, which is called Conversations with Chris, which you just recorded episode five on Monday which I know very well because I was your guest for that. So we're doing a bit of double duty here, but uh, it just worked out that way. So my next question has to be, uh, Ryan, the third host of House of Jordans, when is his spinoff going to drop? Well, we've been pitching ideas to him. We said maybe he could do balling with Brian because he seems to do so well at picking cards, definitely better than me. So maybe he could do something like that. Or, um, you know, I don't know. We've, we've definitely floated ideas to him. But, uh, you, know, you know, Brian is an extremely analytical guy. He's a mechanical engineer by profession and by education. And I, I think he loves being able to sort of riff off of a topic. Um, you know, I, I've never had to do what he does. I, I'm the guy in House of Jordans who prepares an itinerary of topics. I sort of script out things and points that I'd like to make. But Brian doesn't even look at the itinerary. I mean, he'll, he might glance at it, but he comes, he shows up, he sits down and I'll rattle off things that I thought about for hours. And he has takes ready to go that are better than mine that just come up, comes him off the top of his head in the moment. So he just processes information extremely quickly. I think he, he that's his sweet spot. That's his lane that he does really well. And so like, but, and so to contrast against, you know, Christina is extremely affable. 
And the thing that makes her such a great host of Christina's Corner is that she's so, she just is who she is. She's so authentic. There's no BS with her. She just cuts right to it. And a person like that's really easy and fun to talk to. And so, you know, in our show, we we kept trying to cram more and more content into a smaller and smaller time period. And it just wasn't working out. So she she finally branched off on her own. She uh, has some really great friends in the hobby. And so she's been bringing them onto her show and stuff. And it's been it's been a lot of fun. So I'd love I'd love for Brian to uh, bring out his show. But, um, you know, I don't know. That's that's his call. Well, in due course, in due course. So speaking of Christina and Christina's mm -hmm. Corner, one of the things that I've, you know, I've watched several of her episodes and the one I actually watched this afternoon was her episode with Sophia Chang, who's one of the artists from the Topps Project 2020 program and pro project. So if you don't know, pro Topps Project 2020, 20 artists, 20 iconic cards, a 400 card set being released two cards per day over the course of the year. And um, so these artists are all really quite interesting people. They're, they seem pretty young. And uh, so she's had several of them on already. And Sophia Chang, who's actually one of my favorites in the project, was on the episode that dropped, I think, last night or today. And that was really that was a great and great episode just to see these people. They're, they're just normal people doing their thing. What was cool about Sophia is that she didn't even know who any of the players were, really. She kind of went in and everyone was on a level playing field for her. So that was really interesting. Let's just go to a few comments here. Ziggy wants to say absolutely relate to the point about Jordan setting the bar. Everyone wants to think they have the next Jordan, Brady, or Trout, or now they compare it to LeBron, Mahomes, the next baseball Trout, so to Acuna. Yeah, fair points, fair points. Uh, Christina, House of Jordan's podcast. Hello, great interviews. Well, there you go, Christina. Shout out coming from Ziggy, who's the hobby content reviewer on YouTube. She says, uh, always watching Jeremy, usually from Chris's computer while we're working on Card Ladder. I know Card Ladder has been keeping you all busy lately, so we will be getting to what that is for everybody. You definitely want to stick around for that, guys. It's pretty awesome. Uh, yes, Christina, you were the original, the original spinoff from House of Jordan, which uh, 90s baseball card says the OG hobby spinoff show. Yes, yes, yes. Some goop, some some hellos going back and forth. Jason, welcome to the show. Listening while driving home from Three Hills radio style. Thanks for keeping me awake. Jay, drive safe, my man. Happy Canada Day. We'll see you soon, hopefully. Ernie says, can you talk about getting cards graded, mailing them also? Ernie, we may get to that a little bit later. Please stick around. We bought two, the Norman Lear of podcast spinoffs. No doubt, no doubt. A lot of hellos to Christina. Popular, popular lady. <laughs> she says hello to Abdul. Abdul is one of the, I believe, two partners in a project called The Currency Project. If you're, again, if you're watching, if you're on Instagram, they go by The Currency Project. Check these guys out. They take cards and they make them interesting. So really check those guys out. All right. I think we've covered off what you guys have been up to for the past little while in terms of your hobby content, House of Jordans, Christina's Corner, uh, conversations with Chris, of which I will be your guest on episode number five, which drops when? Tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, uh, it, it, with with the great guest, I, I advise people to listen to this because like I was telling you, I do wish I heard more from you on Sports Cards Live, but you have so many great guests, I get it. But I we we get to hear a little more from you on Conversations with Chris, episode five. Uh, and that will be my teaser for why people should come listen to that, because you've got some stories to tell. And it was an absolute treat having you on. Well, thanks, man. I do appreciate that. It was my pleasure. And uh, I did enjoy getting to sort of tell my story and sharing some more information about you in terms of me and, and how I kind of 
have hobby have been hobbying for so many years in my approach. So, all right, let's now switch gears. People want to know about card ladder because this is something that has been blitzed on social media as of late, all over Instagram specifically, all over YouTube. Let's talk about it. So, why don't you explain what what is card ladder? What what are the even before you explain what it is? What was the origin? What caused you to create this new tool? And then please describe what it is. Yeah, so I can't tell that or any part of the card ladder story without giving a huge acknowledgement, a thank you, a shout out to first and foremost Josh from Cardboard Chronicles, who is you know a unbelievably talented software developer and coder. Um, you know, I it's not that I've worked with many coders in the past, so but I can tell you this: working with him, uh, it's a dream. Uh, he's he's brilliant, and you know, so he's he's the architect behind what you see when you log into Card Ladder. And I just want to send him a huge shout out because it's amazing working with him. And then I want to send a shout out to uh, Christina, Brian, and Nick, uh, aka Stiff Arm Wax. He's our he's the video producer of House of Jordans, and he also is responsible for all the visuals that you see on our social media platforms and stuff that relate to Card Ladder. And you know. He's, he's been amazing. Brian and Christina have been amazing. It's a dream come true to work on a, a humble startup project like this with those guys. So that's first and foremost. I just want to acknowledge those people. And, and all of them are indispensable. I can't even imagine trying to do what we're doing without them. Uh, so much love to those guys. So what is Card Ladder? Uh, here's how I like to say it, but I, I should preface this by saying it's a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And it has a lot of different functions and a lot of different uses. To me, Card Ladder is telling the story of the hobby through data. And the reason why it's interesting to tell the story of the hobby through data is because you get very different quote unquote answers if you look at market activity versus if you were to conduct polls and ask collectors what they like and what they prefer. And both questions are important and the answer to both questions are important. The answer that we're focusing on is what story does data tell? And to tell that story, we created something called the ladder. And the ladder is an algorithmic charting system that very, you know, to put it simply, it just objectively analyzes incoming data on sports cards and then it ranks them. And it ranks them based on their market performance. And so like right now, I think we're, we're verging on 700 cards in our system and every night, I, we, we process the charts based on the new incoming data. And I just look at that list and it tells me the story of the hobby. It tells me what players are hot. It tells me what cards are hot. It tells me what sets are hot. It, it gives me some insight into possibly what collectors are doing, how they're thinking, it gives me some insight. You know, one of the statistics that we display is the total value of cards that sold on a given day. Yesterday of the cards that are in our database, almost $750,000 worth of cards sold yesterday. That's an important, and now compare that to the day before, it was roughly 200,000. So that's an important part of telling the story of the hobby. It's just somebody gathering all this data and presenting it to you. And then what I do is after I look at the chart every night and I see how everything got sorted, I type up something called ladder headlines. They write themselves. I just look at the ladder I see, you know, the ladder tells you cards that have made big moves. So like yesterday on the heels of speaking of the Michael Jordan 1986 Clear 57 PSA 10, 
it sold for $77,000 at auction. It jumped several hundred spots to number four on the ladder, uh, which, so you might be wondering, well, what cards are number one, two, and three? And of course, that's Cam Newton, who's extremely hot right now on the news of signing with the Patriots. But uh, so I just, I look at the ladder and I see things happening and I just create a narrative form, a narrative highlight reel of what's happening on the ladder. So that's that's like the the first and foremost function of card ladder is it's just it's a daily narrative whether you want to look at it through the chart whether you want to read the headlines whether you want to really dig into the data that we provide because we provide extremely detailed card profiles for every card in our system you can you can get the story of the hobby every day delivered right to you in a way that's as objectively determined as possible very interesting man but i want to know i want you to kind of Deep, dive deeper into as a user of of the card of card ladder. What what does it do for me besides tell me a story of the hobby and besides tell me the value of all the sales from yesterday and the day before? Um, and I mean, I'm I'm in it right now on, on the in a trial and I've got some cards. I've added some of my own cards, but I can only add the cards that you've already added yourself. So you know, and I've noticed also that you know if I own a PSA eight Wayne Gretzky rookie card, for example, Opeachy, um, that may or maybe the PSA nine is there and the PSA seven, but the PSA eight may not be in the ladder yet. So I guess my question is, what are you, what are you, what can a user expect to, to gain from it, especially because I've described it as a valuation tool. Can you speak to the valuation tool capabilities of it? And despite the fact that not all cards are there, I think it's very understandable that, I mean, you guys just launched last week. This thing is, by the way, to anyone watching, we're talking about something that is brand new. This hasn't been around in the shadows for a couple of years or a couple of months. It just launched last week. And so not every card is contemplated yet in the ladder, but until they are, and we'll get to how that process works, what, what, talk about how it can help people understand the value of their collection. I would love to. Uh, so this is one of our most important features and it's called my collection. And, you know, it, it's because as collectors, this is something that we all do. Uh, we, you know, or not all of us, but many of us, we have spreadsheets or we just have mental notes, but we know what's in our PCs and we like to track it. And, you know, I, I have maxed out my eBay saved searches long ago. And even though I'm not looking to buy doubles of any of these cards, I search them all the time because they're in my PC and I want to see what they're worth. So it, that is like something that I thought that we could give to collectors is a vetted data set that reflects accurately the value of cards. But that's a much bigger project than the little soundbite that I just gave you. Because for one, a lot of cards don't sell regularly. And number two, even for cards that do sell semi-regularly, the values of those cards can fluctuate all the time. So we developed, and I'm, we'll get into this, I, I'm just gonna tease it right now, I don't wanna go totally into that rabbit hole unless you want me to, but we developed a predictive algorithm that allows for something called historically correlated multipliers to predict the value of cards by taking cards that sell regularly and using them as proxies for growth of the card that we'd like to price. So we have that functionality and we apply it to cards that are in our system. But like, let's take your Wayne Gretzky card, for example. We don't have, I think, the PSA 8, right? That card's not in the system yet. And you have it in your PC and you'd like to see the value of it. We give you through our software the tool 
to automatically generate a, a historically correlated multiplier that then becomes a member generated prediction that only you can see that prices the value of your Gretzky PSA 8 for you while you wait for us to bring it into the system. Now, the beauty of this is that you as the collector probably know more than the specific cards in your system than we do about them. I mean, we know them and we research them, but you know more about it. So you can say, okay, I see they have the PSA 7 Gretzky. I have the PSA 8. We let you type in the date and the price you paid for your card and our software automatically spits out for you. Let's say you designated the PSA 7 as that's gonna be your baseline card. It will find the most temporally proximate sale to this to when you bought your card it will generate a multiplier for you it'll say okay at that point in time the psa 8 was 1.2x the psa 7 and then it will generate a predicted value for you and if you don't think it's accurate you can override it by inputting your own multiplier then once you do that even you know we will get the psa 8 gretzky in but until we do get it in now that multiplier runs every day and every time a psa 7 gretzky sells the value of your card will update as well so, so I that's how, yeah. I just want to make one thing clear there. Um, so if I if I input some data to generate a user generated multiplier and value for the PSA eight, only I see that because I can also override it with a value that I like better for whatever reason. I just want to make it clear that that does not become uh, published public publicly for everybody to see. I just want to make that clear so I can't skew the data for the whole audience in that in in that fashion. Correct, that's exactly why we set it up that way. We wanted to give users the power and we know users just wanna track the value of their own collection. Uh, now users can submit, and, and you're exactly right, only the user can see the user generated predictive value and it is displayed as quote, the user generated predictive value from within your PC because we are aware and we don't want people taking screenshots of that and representing it as if it was a card ladder valuation, not to say that that users can't generate accurate predictive values. I've seen users do it. I saw Frankie 3500 generate an accurate predictive value of the Michael Jordan 1985 Prism Jewel uh, BGS 8.5 card that just sold the other night. So like users can do it and they can do it very successfully, but we're extremely cautious before we uh, generate a predictive value for any card that, you know, us, that we look at it, that, that it makes sense to us that we're willing to you know, have enough confidence in it to to publish it to the card letter database. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let me just stop there. Sure thing. Sure thing. So right now, how many cards are in the ladder? And let me ask. It's called card ladder. Can we refer to it in sh in shorthand as the ladder? <laughs> we could refer to it as the ladder, although that might. But but there's actually five ladders. Uh, but let's just call it the ladder, and and users can get in because we have like we have all different types of sorting tools for the ladder. We have a 14-day trending chart. We have a 90-day trending chart, and those produce very different results. But yes, we can call it the ladder. Okay, and how many cards are in the database right now? So right now, uh, I believe we've, we have we either just hit 700 or we're, we're close to eclipsing 700, and we're adding anywhere from 20, 30, 40 cards a day. And I'm, I, I might be preempting a question, but I do want to get this in. Uh, users can submit on the one hand requests for cards that they'd like to see added and we do add them uh but uh you know we can only we only have so many researchers card profiles have to be carefully constructed um we we construct the all-time sales histories for cards so it takes time but we do add user requests 
Users can also build card profiles for themselves in their collection, and then they can submit the card profile to us, which can help us expedite the process if the user does a good job. And we have uh, tips and tools and suggestions for, for people to help construct accurate card profiles that, of course, we then vet and, and you know, re review and improve. Uh, yeah, so, so we have 700. Uh, we're adding many frequently. And we, the cards that we want to add are the cards that our members want to see. Uh, those are the cards that we want to get into the system. We want our members to be extremely happy, and we want to be able to provide value tracking of the cards that our members have. And on the other hand, we want to have cards, too, that help us tell the story of the hobby. Uh, we want important, iconic, high-profile cards. So like, for example, one user just reached out, and we added the Devin Booker Prison Silver Rookie Card PSA 10. And he said, thank you guys for adding this card. I don't have this card, but I do have the Devin Booker Select Silver Rookie. I generated my own multiplier on that card of 0.4x. And guess what? When the Prism Silver PSA 10 went up in value, uh, my user-generated predicted value brought up the value of my Select Silver. I logged into my collection because in your My Collection tool, you have a graph and it tracks the value of your collection over time. He logged in, he saw the graph move up, he was happy, and he said, guess what? Now I'm looking for select cards uh, of Devin Booker that might be underpriced right now from, from his perspective of how that market works. Very cool. So I want to just add for everybody watching, you know, we're talking about this thing and if you don't know what it is, you haven't seen it, it's understandable. We're just, we're speaking in words, but I do want to mention that it's a, it's a very, there's a lot of, um, it's pleasant on the eyes. It's a, it's a nice looking site. The graphics are really nice. Well done to yourself, to Josh, to the, the whole team for really thinking through how this thing was going to look from a user standpoint. So it's really nice. I also want to point out, um, I'm going to put this comment up right now. Carlos, nicely done. The cross promotion is real. Yeah, we're just a couple of guys talking hobby. We're going to do it again tomorrow on his show. But I want to mention that if you guys check out Carlos's channel on YouTube, it's called Because I'm Carlos, just like you see right there. Carlos, a couple days ago, dropped a video basically reviewing Card Ladder with Card Ladder on the screen pretty much the whole time. So if you want to check out Carlos's video, you guys should do that because he will give you, it'll be a nice supplement to this discussion where we're meeting with the co-creator and inspiration behind this project. Go watch Carlos's video. He did a really nice job uh, going through the the, the card Jeremy, ladder itself. Let me just say one thing to Carlos. Thank you so much for taking the time to look at card ladder and search Greg Jeffries PSA 10 in card ladder when you get a chance. <laughs> I watched his episode and I saw him comment that it was added all that very, very cool stuff, you know? We're, we're separated by miles and distance and social distancing, yet we're we're all so connected, so connected. So we've got more comments. Oh boy, where did they go? Yeah, there's lots of comments. So I'm gonna we're gonna do some comments and then we're gonna come back to card ladder, Chris. And we're gonna talk about something that I respect immensely about what you about you and what you're doing, which is your your basically your attention to and your sensitivity to the fact that we all have bias within us and transparency. So something that I think is really cool is that these guys aren't creating a tool for their own benefit other than perhaps building a business. They're not trying to skew the market or um, manipulate or anything. So they built in a non, like, I guess a, a way to, a way to fight bias in them, in their own heads and also to be transparent in what they're doing. So we're gonna come back to that. But first, Ziggy's gonna check that out. Awesome. 
Christina says, definitely check it. I've gotten the sneak peek. It was by far my favorite thus far. I think they're talking about the video that Carlos did. Uh, Ziggy says, what's up? Great night. Yeah. Hey guys, welcome to a great night on sports cars live with Chris McGill of house of Jordans and card ladder. Really something I've been looking forward to since the day I launched this show, to be honest. Uh, Jay, sorry, Jason says, Twoog here. Christina and Chris, please don't buy the Luca Color Blast before me. There you go. You've been warned. Card Insights. Card Ladder is amazing. There you go. A vote for Card Ladder. Carlos says, grab my drink to sit down and check this out. Wouldn't miss it. Thank you guys for joining. As always, it's all fair in love and Luca. No doubt, no doubt says Christina. Shout out for Josh. Awesome. Josh, if you're watching, a shout out. Thank you for what you're doing. I've been a big fan of Cardboard Chronicles from the beginning. Let's shout out that too. Uh, you sort of did already, Chris, but Cardboard Chronicles and House of Jordans were really, after I found House of Jordans, I found Cardboard Chronicles. I think it was in that order. And Cardboard Chronicles are about hour-long episodes, interviews with collectors, and um, really telling the story of these collectors. So if you're a collector out there and you are interested in other collectors, which I think we all are, because we're all in this thing together, right? Go watch some episodes of Cardboard Chronicles. They're uh, they're just very entertaining. I, I'll admit, I've watched some of them a couple times because there's nothing else I wanted to watch. So, uh, you know, I'm sitting here sorting cards or whatever. I'll put that on the background. So go check out Cardboard Chronicles, everybody. Uh, Jason says, I was in one and a half cases of case break with Mavs today and nothing. Sorry to hear. Better luck next time. Happy Canada Day, everybody. Yeah, let's not forget it is Canada Day, and I am in Canada, so happy Canada Day. What do we got here? Uh, lots of comments going back and forth from everybody. What does Ziggy say? Card Ladder to me is a great daily dashboard for sports card sales activity. I'm still learning the AI for the ladder. I find myself talking to the ladder and expecting an answer. Hey, better you're talking to the ladder than you're talking to yourself, Ziggy, so you're you're one step ahead there. Sean says, for Card Ladder, is it mainly stories about basketball, baseball, and football, or is hockey also in there? For collections, can we input our hockey players' PCs into the database that you guys have? Now, we will give this one to Chris, but I will say with some pride that um, a couple weeks ago or so, I was contacted by the, the team, and they asked me for a list of some of the most important hockey cards, and I provided them, I don't know, 20 or 30 cards that are all now in the ladder. So I can tell you, Sean, they are in the ladder, but Chris, can you speak to maybe expand on that, but also speak to can if you are a player collector, can you input all of your players' cards? You sure can. And that's one of the most important reasons why we wanted to have the My Collection feature available as soon as we launched. Uh, you can input any card you want to, and you can make as elaborate or as bare bones of a card profile for it as you'd like. And so, and then the, the other part of the question is, is it mainly stories about basketball, baseball, and football, or, or is hockey in there also? Uh, so basketball and football make up the majority of the cards that are in our system right now. Uh, those two sports are super hot right now. We know those two sports very well. We're gaining baseball. We've added a whole suite of Wander Franco, uh, Bowman Chrome prospects and parallel rookie cards, which is a lot of fun. We've got, you know, the key Mike Trout stuff in there, but we're still adding a lot of baseball and hockey too. You know, we, we are extremely grateful to Jeremy for supplying a list of 30, uh, you know, big time iconic hockey cards that we added. We've got the Yamir Yager rookie card in there, the Mario Lemieux, which the Mario Lemieux is in the top 10 on our 90 day trending chart, uh, which is, which made me take notice of hockey uh, immediately. 
to see uh, that card performing that well. So lots of interesting things to be learned from the hockey market. Lots of interesting things happen when you stack up cards from different sports against each other in the same database using the same um, evaluative metrics. Uh, but but we're we're still beefing up on those, and that's just the honest truth. Um, but uh, if if you want to definitely use the my collection feature to track your hockey cards, we want you to do that. We want we want to make it so easy for people to track their collections. And in my opinion, you know, you were mentioning kind of the UI of, of card ladder looks great that the user, the user interface, that was Josh who did all that. He's amazing. And then the logo was designed by Nick. So he was, he did a great job on that. And, uh, but we, Josh made a beautiful, my collection feature. It just is very easy on the eyes. You know, you get to upload pictures of your cards. It, you can make a very nice display of the cards that are in your collection. You can sort of sort them as like tiles and look at them. And then up top, you have a nice like portfolio you know, uh, graph and, and statistics and data. It's, it's a really fun tool. Yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. And I want to, I want to mention to everybody, you know, I find oftentimes in the hobby, people are very critical of things and not very patient. I think this is a, an example where these guys launched the product. There were, you know, a certain amount of cards already input into the ladder ready for you to add to your collection. I'm not speaking about adding your own cards. I'm talking about the ones that they preemptively put in there and I think it's important that we sort of let this thing grow over time and because I, I can see this thing being a very important tool for the hobby the greater hobby overall in time it's just going to take some time and some patience on all of our behalves to let them get there and add these cards and add more researchers to the team as as is necessary so let's make sure that we're patient with these guys and let's let's uh because I'm willing to be patient, and I, but I also have some high expectations. I'm going to ask you in a few minutes sort of what the, what the big vision is for this thing. But before we do that, we're going to get to some more comments because they are flying through here. So uh, 90s B-Ball Card says, Card Ladder is the speedometer for the sports card hobby. I think that's another cool way of saying it. Ziggy says, I would like to suggest a card ladder for cards under $100 or high transaction cards on a ladder. So take note, Chris, please. Uh, card ladder needs to show some optic baseball basketball love. Sorry, says card insider. And Jason says they're working on it. So some insight there. Again, patience, right? The stuff is definitely going to come. These guys want as many cards in there as we all do. Correct, Chris? 100%. I can't. Let me tell you, man. My favorite moment of the day is when I receive, you know, maybe it's a couple days ago. I mean, man, we have thousands of requests <laughs> for cards to be added. But my favorite moment of the day. So when I add somebody's card, I send them a message or I send them an email and they just, they're ecstatic because they know that A, someone took the time to carefully construct an accurate history of the card's market data. And, but the card profile doesn't end there. Uh, the card profile, if the card, we feel like we can generate a predictive value for it, we do that. We provide links to external sources that provides information on the set. Uh, if the card has been in the news, we provide links to stuff like that. Or if the set has been in the news or, you know, if, if the card is part of a popular product that has a lot of breaks on YouTube, we'll put a little link to the breaks so you can go look at the product being open. And then, you know, we have, if a card has an interesting sales history, we put notes there. We, we, we put little insights in there. Some card profiles are extremely robust. I wrote about, I don't know, five or six paragraphs about the 2003 Topps Chrome LeBron. Like in, in other cards are, are much more bare bones. 
And users are always welcome to submit any information they want. There's an easily accessible link at, at the bottom of every card profile. We love in a Wikipedia style, as long as you can cite your sources, like Frankie3500 built some brilliant card profiles for us. Cite your sources, send us information. We will embellish the card's profile with relevant information. And just to mention, Frankie3500 is an Instagram user, a, a, a hobby friend of yours, someone that I'm following and follows me on Instagram, a, a great a great account to follow on Instagram, Frankie3500. All right. Um, Frank, is this, I have to ask, is this Frankie3500 or is this? It is. It is. Yes, it is. It is. I thought so. Okay. So there he is right there adding, yeah, well, there, and he's done, he's done his share of adding cards. So there you go. Frankie, welcome to the show as always. A regular watcher. Thank you so much. Uh, 90s b-ball cards. All good things come in time. They started with two pennies. Now they have four or five. I'm surprised there aren't more because I believe that's who Josh is a, a big fan of, along with LeBron. Ziggy says, do you expect users of the card ladder to make money using the prediction scoring? There's a good question. That's uh, an excellent question. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it's hard to say that, and I don't mean to answer your question, Chris. I'm just kind of throwing my spin on my thoughts because just because you're putting a predicting a predictive tool out there doesn't necessarily mean that you're guaranteeing anything. It's purely a prediction. You must have um, sort of the qualifiers saying that, you know, we are not saying you're going to buy this card for cheaper and sell it for that if you have it. But have you guys contemplated this? Yeah. So the point of predictive pricing, and it's an excellent question. Uh, the point of predictive pricing is to reflect accurately to the extent that that's possible. And I have a 30 minute video on the card letter YouTube page explaining all the methodological pitfalls of predictive pricing, because there are many. But uh, the point of predictive pricing is to try to reflect to the extent possible, the market value of a card. Um, so if if you're able to, and, and to that point, uh, there's no mystery here. Uh, we're simply using historically correlated multipliers to predict to generate predicted values. You can scroll down a card's profile, any card that has a predicted value, we tell you every single, we tell you all the information you need about every historically correlated multiplier we identified. We show you the math that we use. We tell you what the multipliers are. So you can uh, inspect this information for yourself. What we're trying to do is capture hobby wisdom with this. And one of the great pieces of hobby wisdom, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel here. Uh, a great example is the 2003 LeBron, uh, the, the base PSA 10 and the refractor PSA 10. Historically, for over the last two years, it's been a 5x multiplier. It's just consistently been that. We were able to consistently generate relatively accurate 90% plus accuracy predictions, many times more accurate than the most recent comp at predicting the, the next sale of the card because this is how, you know, on a certain level, the hobby works intuitively is there's just a 5x multiplier there. It's just kind of always been there, but we're always checking to make sure the multiplier is more accurate. Okay. So I say that to say that uh, ideally, no, <laughs> you shouldn't be making money on predictive value in the sense that it, that should be the market value of the card. We're trying to tell you what the market value of the card is, but could somebody equip themselves with information Based on, they look at our math, they say, okay, I see how they generate this predictive value using their own judgment, their own wisdom, their own hobby experience, using the predictive values as a tool in their tool belt. Could they look at that and say, okay, this seems reasonable to me. And guess what? I know somebody who's underpricing this card right now because uh, you know the last comp is three months ago. Could that be a tool um, for, for a collector to get a bargain on a card that its market is likely gone up? 
but that the most recent comp doesn't indicate it yet because the car just hasn't sold, you could absolutely um, use the tool effectively in that manner. Uh, but the purpose of the tool is to try and make as accurate of statements as possible about the value of cards that have not recorded sales recently enough to reflect where the, the market for that card currently is. The, the tool was born out of being able to equip our users with the ability to generate accurate values of the cards in their collection. And then it just so happened to become a tool that once you applied it to other cards, suddenly there became it became readily apparent that lots of cards most recent comp is not reflecting where the market on that card is. And to that end, we generated a ladder that we call the undervalued ladder. And it's also an overvalued ladder. But at the top of this ladder are all the cards that the ladder's predicted value is indicating uh, is higher than the last comp. And they're sorted by the biggest discrepancy to the lowest. And then when you go to the bottom of that ladder, you'll see the cards the card ladder is saying are overvalued. That, that for whatever reason, those cards are selling currently for higher or the most recent comp is higher than what the predicted value indicates the card should be worth. Okay, so, okay, so great explanation. And something I wanna point out to everybody is that, you know, I really recommend you go check out some of the House of Jordans episodes and some of the, uh, well, some of the House of Jordans podcasts and some of the YouTube videos, because you hear him talking, but what you don't, if you don't, if you haven't heard his show before, you don't really appreciate just how analytical and data-driven Chris and, and that team, how, how, how much they are data-driven like that. He's not just, they're not just throwing darts here, guys. They're coming up with a scientific approach uh, to da using data to come up with these. The biggest benefit I see for the predicted value, Chris, is, and it happens all the time. I've got a card that's in a grade that hasn't, I can't see any completed listings on eBay. Maybe the most recent uh, on the PSA complete uh, auction prices is from 2017 or 2007. Doesn't matter when, it's just, it's not current. We all know that cards have all gone up in the last few months and couple of years. But if you, if the most recent comp you can find is from 2015 and someone's gonna use that to say, hey, I'd like to buy your card, but oh, look at vintage card prices. It says it's worth X and you're asking X times two, how can you do that? Well. I think having the card ladder then the predictive tool at your disposal as sort of a uh, a mediator in a way and say, well, look, I, I'm not pricing it based on card ladder, maybe. Maybe I am, maybe I'm not, but I'm pricing it based on what I want for this card, what I think it's worth, because there are no comps. And as a seller, I'm not willing to rely on a comp that's out of date. I'd be kind of silly to do that. I don't want to leave money on the table if I don't have to. So I can see the predicted the predictive values being very beneficial to that kind of situation where you're live at a card show and you're trying to sell a card and the guy's arguing with you about price. So yeah, if you don't want to tell them to take a hike and you want to get a deal done, you might want to find that happy medium. The other thing I want to mention, because uh, it, it involves something you've actually linked to one of my videos. So you mentioned that you can link various um, information sources to the card profiles. And when you told me the other day, and I was super flattered by this, that, um, Episode, my first ep my first episode with a guest with Carvin Chung, who you know architected um, Exquisite and the Cup. You've actually linked that video to one of the cards on the card card ladder. Which which out of my for curiosity, which card was it linked to again? Too many to all of the Exquisite RPAs that we currently have in the ladder, um, or it, it it should be all of them, or at least most of them, and soon to be all of them. We linked that episode. 
because what is more interesting than if you're studying, I don't know, the Chris Paul exquisite RPA to scroll down the profile and see a link to a sports cards live episode. That's a two hour or however long that discussion was with the guy who designed the card. Yeah, man. I think, I think, I think it's, it's possible. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. And thanks for fine. Thanks for feeling that, the, that, that my video and really my guest Carvin was obviously worthy, but I just, I think, thought that was so cool. All right, let's keep rolling through some more questions here. Ziggy wants to know, is card ladder more for collectors or investors? Oh, that's a great question. First of all, it's a false dichotomy, my friend, Agreed. because people who are collectors um, have a reasonable interest in the value of their collections and the lens of investing can be applicable even when you are thinking strictly through a collector lens. Okay, that's a lot of words. Let me try to put it slightly differently. Uh, financial performance of cards is relevant. Um, it's relevant from a pure dollars and cents perspective, but it also helps us tell the story of the hobby. Which cards are being bought and sold for at high volumes, at high prices, at lower prices, which direction cards are trending, tells us a lot about what people are thinking and what collectors are thinking because you know, when it comes down to it, you know, people ultimately put their money where their mouth is. And, and despite what they say, we can look at what they actually do on the marketplace and how they transact. Uh, there are ways to use Card Ladder as an investor um, to spot trends in the market. Uh, you know, one of the most uh, it, clever ways to use Card Ladder is to use our player ladder, where we take the one iconic card from every player in our database. We just take their one iconic rookie card and we just rank those in terms of market performance. And if you spot a player who just shot up that ladder, you might go search out that player's cards in more peripheral sets. That's an interesting way to find value plays. Lots of other ways to find value plays too. Look at players, you, you know, start using, uh, card ladder can let very creative minded and intelligent people do the hobby on an even more sophisticated level. So like we recently started adding Carl Anthony Towns cards to card ladder. And I was, my jaw hit the floor when I saw that his prism PSA 10 uh, base card, which has much fewer copies in total circulation than for example, the Tyler hero 2019, 20 prism based PSA 10, they were selling for the same price. Carl Anthony Towns, albeit he's a big man, and big men traditionally don't get hobby love, but I think the traditions of the hobby are being remade as new people come in. But Carlton Towns is a perennial All-NBA talent uh, as long as he's healthy. They've got D'Angelo Russell now in Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota started off the last NBA season very strong before being hobbled by injuries. They've only made their roster better. Carlton Towns is a guy who should not be selling, in my humble opinion, for the same price as set, you know more peripheral current and last year's rookie cards like Tyler Hero. And that's no knock against Tyler Hero. What it means is that there's a market imbalance. So somebody clever can look at the ladder and discover that. And you know what happened? when? So they were both selling for about 150 bucks. We've now been tracking Towns for a little while. Towns is now 250 bucks. So people who are astutely watching the market can find value plays all day long because the data is presented in a systematic and in, in digestible format. And I just scroll the ladder. I'm too busy to collect right now because I'm just building information. But as I scroll the ladder, I see this stuff all day long. I try to slip it into the ladder headlines when and where I can. But honestly, there's smarter collectors out there than me who will look at this information and they'll make even better use of it. Now, but the thing about card ladder, um, and I submit this humbly and from a, from a place of humility, you know, the, the word investor or stock or you know, things like that, you don't see it in our title. 
because uh, while we respect the investor community and the platform, the, the, the origin of this hobby, the core of this hobby and its sustenance is in collecting. These cards have to be collectible and they have to have they, and their inherent value has to be respected. And I'm of the philosophy that even investors uh, who are some of those intelligent people in the market right now and they're reshaping the market in their image, even investors, when they start getting those slabs coming in and they start putting these slabs on their desk or they whatever they do with those slabs, they display them, they set them somewhere. It's hard not to fall in love with cards. And, and it's, it's hard to not see what it is that actually has always been propelling this market from the start it's the collectible, it's the inherent collectability of these items. And the collector mindset, my friend, it always wins. The collector mindset will guide you right over an extended period of time. The investor mindset is a, is brings a lot of great analytical tools to the table. But if you marry it with the collector mindset, if you can, if you can become a collector in your mind and in your heart, and you can appreciate what it is that drives this hobby, which is collecting, in my estimation, that is the recipe to build the best collection, to have the most financial prosperity, and to be the most successful. That's the philosophy that Card Ladder was predicted under. That's why it's called Card Ladder. It's about cards at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, um, we have a lot of investors coming into the hobby nowadays, and I got to think some of them are, are going to be collectors as well. They're not just going to be flipping cards, not caring what they're flipping, but there are lots that are just going to do that. I think on the other side of the spectrum though, collectors, whether you like it or not, are investing because anytime you spend an amount of money that is somewhat meaningful, uh, you're, you're, in, you're, you're parking that, that money into this object that is now where you're, that has value. So whether you like it or not, collector out there, you are also investing. Uh, there's just really no way around it unless you're, unless there's the, the, the value of the cards, you know, if you're, if you're a, a billionaire and you're buying cards for one and two dollars okay fair enough you're not investing but if you're somebody making fifty thousand dollars a year and you're buying cards for a thousand dollars and up for your collection trust me you are now an investor whether you like it or not okay card insight says it's fun adding cards to card ladder and great to see it grow i'm loving the feed right now i just show that because i want to point out and i haven't added cards but some of these comments are making me think this is something that i'm going to enjoy doing so that's really cool Austin has a pretty important question here, Chris. He wants to know, is it free to set up an account on the ladder? Uh, so we, <laughs> we got overwhelmed with interest in card ladder. And that, uh, because what we did was um, two weeks before June 23rd, we put out a, um, uh, a mailing list, an, an opportunity to sign up for a mailing list. And we got lots of people on the mailing list and we understood quickly that what was going to be very important to our members was seeing their cards in the database. So at that point, we decided to roll out invites in waves. And we did a first wave, which was released on June 23rd. And um, we were very grateful to have um, a lot of people become members. And but, but what we did was we made a seven-day trial, a seven-day free trial available. So we are allowing a seven-day free trial to people who are invited to Card Ladder, and we want you to come check it out. And you know, if if you know that that comes down to about fifty cents a day, and and honestly, we've we put a lot into the front end of this of this project, and you know, it, we we humbly ask that you know that people believe in us 
as well as we believe in the hobby. We all believe in the hobby. So that's the price point is $15 a month or 50 cents a day uh, with a seven day free trial. We invite people to come try it. And if it's not for you or, you know, I've seen, you know, people say that they love it, but just they maybe want to see more cards. Totally understandable, completely understandable. And at the end of the day, man, like I said earlier, it, the thing I love to do is add somebody's card. It just makes them happy. It makes me happy to do that. I, I'm learning. I learn about cards. We, we love to add people's cards. We will get more and more cards in there. We, we want to have a member base that feels great. That, that feels like their cards are in the system or that at least we have cards in the system for now that they can use to generate predictive values for their cards. Like the person I mentioned earlier with the Devin Booker, Prism Silver and his Select Silver. So we want to have that. We and, and we're working, you know, we're receiving submissions. We're adding cards into the system, but we want to make our members happy. So then we just did a second wave of invites. Again, the same thing. You get a free seven day trial. You get to try it out. Obviously cancel at any time. Um, we just, we want people to feel comfortable. We want people to get involved in this only if they want to be involved with a, a tool on a platform like this. Um, so we did that. And, and now we have a lot, we have a lot of members and now we're working really hard to make those members happy and sort of, we're sort of democratically filtering what cards get added because we're seeing the same people. Um, we're seeing the same cards get requested numerous times. And so those kind of bump up the queue, obviously. But but if you guys are reasonable, you know, submit, request to submit one card, two cards, you know, a day, every few days, and or, or just dump them all in because because we'll get to them one way or the other. But uh, w that's what we want, man. We want our members to be ecstatic and we yeah. want them, we want them to see all their cards or as many cards as are feasible and are reasonable to be added to the system. Okay. Awesome. And I think it's reasonable. I think, I think $15 a month is a, is a reasonable price. Um, and I don't expect anything for free. You guys, uh, put a lot of time and effort into this and, uh, I don't know about anybody else out there, but I don't go to work for free. So I don't think you should either. I think it's very justified. Okay. I want to just mention, uh, Carlos also says that the user interface is definitely a strong suit of the platform. I had no issue giving credit where it was due again, watch his video reviewing and it's a it's an early review. He only had about two days of using the product when he gave it. I would suspect that Carlos at this point or soon enough is probably ready to give a version two of, of a review or a more in-depth possibly. No pressure, Carlos. I'm not trying to you know drop a, a make work project on your lap here, but I know you love doing your videos. I love watching them. So perhaps that is coming up soon enough. Um, Christina, thanks for the shout out that I'm an asset to the hockey ladder. I certainly wanted to contribute and I'm glad I had the opportunity to, it was really a privilege. And then Card Insights mentioned something that I forgot to mention earlier when I was talking about House of Jordans and the spinoffs, you also are doing another show. You're a busy guy, man. You're doing another show with Josh, Josh Johnson of Cardboard Chronicles, one of your partners in Card Ladder. You guys do a uh, once a week episode or show called the crossover and basically and I love the name because number one it's a crossover of two legendary YouTube hobby content programs but the word crossover is used in our hobby when you're crossing over from one grading company to another now whether that was deliberate or not I don't know but I like seeing that hobby vernacular being used in in that form anyway I thought that was really interesting Okay, uh, some great, we're gonna look at Sean's comment here. You just got yourself a customer based on player collectors. I would love to make profiles for my PCs. This makes me excited to be a collector with the use of your technology. I got an invite for the trial. I'm jumping in tomorrow. That's awesome. Frankie3500 confirms my suspicion that that was you as I thought. Paul Cashman says algorithms 
can't predict choking in a playoff injuries or the athlete becoming a pariah. You know, excellent point for sure, for sure. But it's also, you know, I think you have it, you you got you got to do something, right? And you can't predict every eventual outcome in the world. Chris, you want to say something on that? Yeah, well, he's 100% right. Um, I'm an algorithm skeptic as well. Uh, when it comes to many different facets of life, when it comes to prediction of human behavior in general, it's it's been one of the great it's been one of the great uh, enterprises and projects and ultimately failures of the social sciences in general to predict human behavior uh, because it just remains to be unpredictable. And human behavior uh, is is definitely on full display when it comes to bidding on cards and trying to figure out what cards are worth and what they're gonna sell for. I completely agree with that. But let me say this, uh, the way that it works, the way that our predictive algorithm works matters uh, to answer this question because what we do is we choose a, a comp card to use as a proxy for the market growth of the card that we're trying to price. And so I'll give a, an example of something that, uh, of a sale that happened yesterday. So the Kawhi Leonard prison-based PSA 10 is up substantially over the last two months, uh, even over the last month. We use his prison-based PSA 10 as a barometer for the market growth of its most coveted parallel, which is the silver prison PSA 10. Now, the last time the silver prison PSA 10 sold was in late May. And since late May, the value of the prison base PSA 10 had gone up. We used the growth of the prison base PSA 10 to predict the growth of the silver base PSA 10. So the, it, and the accuracy, we were 89% accurate in that prediction. I believe our prediction was roughly $22,000. It ended at 20 and the previous comp was $16,100. So uh, it was not a perfect prediction. It wasn't anywhere close to a perfect prediction. But if you kind of look at the nuts and bolts of how it works, uh, the prediction isn't anything fancy. It's not anything that anybody can't just do in their head. You can just, you, people, when they're trying to figure out what something should sell for, collectors are already performing these sorts of calculations in their head intuitively, instinctively. We're just, we're just trying to make it a little bit easier. For, for you to do that. And we're trying to make it a little more accurate because like, for example, a card like that has like three or four historically correlated multipliers that are averaged. What that means is we look at dates on which the silver and the base sold on the same day. We, we figure out what the multiplier was. Okay, it was 3.2 X. Then we, you know, when we pick out like three or four of those and we average them to get a multiplier that we apply. And so it, it, it's a prediction in the sense that uh, the price hasn't been realized yet, but but it it what what it's doing is it's just using a, another card as a as a as a as a as reliable of an indicator as we can have of what direction a very directly related card like the Prism Silver is going in. So yeah. it's it, there's no magic uh, to it. It's it's just you know using collector intuition, but but fleshing it out a little bit. And I think over time you're going to see just how accurate your predictive tool algorithm is. And over time, you're going to build up a data set of how close you came and thereby maybe even a, what, is, what your standard deviation is for your predictive tool. So you may be able to say as a user, they're predicting it to be the value at $2,000 plus or minus a standard deviation, whatever that will calculate out to be. I'm sure you guys have thought of that, something similar to it. So I think that's a definitely a good direction to go in. I'd like to see that myself. Um, 
Uh, Jake at 90s B-Ball Card says uh, Frankie3500 was a guest of his if you want to get to know the legend a bit better. So uh, again, 90s B-Ball Cards is, an, is a YouTube channel. It's actually on the homepage of Sports Cards Live channel under my favorite YouTube channels list. So definitely check uh, check out Jake's show as well. Really interesting stuff. Um, Frankie says it was great to be there. That's awesome. And uh, Christina says, we're nerds. It's the truth. <laughs> Being a nerd is cool. Now, I just want to mention my buddy Amit, who was my guest on our uh, virtual expo preview and recap. He kind of coined the term cardboard nerds a long time ago. We are all cardboard nerds. And I think we should be definitely proud of that for sure. Um, okay, we're going to, we got, there's still some comments here. I'd love to, I'm going to get to one from my buddy, the mayor of Canada here, Rich Barone. Do you, um, Richie, I know you're driving on Long Island right now. I don't know how you got a question typed up or maybe you dictated it, but in any event, drive safe, my man. He asks, do you think Jordan is the way to monitor the basketball hobby? Whereas 52 mantle in baseball, Gretzky rookies in hockey, um, let me take that one, Chris, if you don't mind. Um, and I would say, uh, Rich, I think that all three of them are various ways to gauge the hobby, but they're going to gauge different subsects of the hobby, different um, segments of the hobby. Right? I think Jordan is your number one barometer for the hobby overall. But I think the Gretzky rookie is certainly the barometer for hockey, along with the Crosby Young Guns, maybe even the McDavid Young Guns. Not exactly sure I'm married to that statement, but I can see that. And the 52 Mantle, I don't know. It's such a big card. It's almost taken on a life of itself, and it's not as high volume as the cards we already discussed. In any event, great question, and thanks for that, Richie. Um, Amit, who I just mentioned, uh, is late, but you tuned in. Hey, better late than never, Amit. Thank you for coming. Ground Zero says, why is it designed only for the top modern cards? Very limited database. The My Collection section of the tool is only for collectors that have cards on the ladder. So, Ground Zero, I'll just mention, we've really addressed that in length already before, but this does provide a good segue into one of my questions for you, Chris, which is kind of the bottleneck in all this. It must be adding cards to the ladder. What, I mean, you guys have been overwhelmed with interest since, since uh, launching on June 23rd. What are your plans to scale this project into the future? Yeah, great question. Um, great question. And, and let me address uh, uh, Ground Zero just briefly, too. Um, we've been adding uh, important vintage cards rapidly lately. So, uh, but, but yeah, we have a lot of work to do, uh, 100%. And, you know, can't wait to do it. I, <laughs> I look, you know, at one point, Josh said to me, he said, because uh, Josh is an absolute workhorse. The guy has a motor that is unbelievable. And he said to me, though, it was funny. He said, like, look, you guys are working like long, long hours right now. Like, I don't want you guys to burn out. So, you know, just just take a break. And I and I said to him, I said, Josh, I said, what do you think I used to do in my free time, man? This. Yeah. I love to do this. You're like, doing it this, anyway. I, that's what I'm saying. This is so much fun. I just, you know, it, you know how like a like I'm I am the furthest thing from an athlete. But you know how an athlete can go and play a sport and kind of zone out? When I'm adding cards, I zone out and I'm just looking at numbers and I'm seeing stuff and I'm seeing trends and I'm learning about sets and I'm relearning about sets and connecting to different cards. And and look, the card ladder removes hobby blind spots. Look, I thought I knew the market, man. Before we started doing card ladder, I thought I knew everything. You know, I know what cards are hot. I know what players are hot. I know how this works. 
the latter told me, slapped me in the face and said, <laughs> you don't know anything, sir. And so now, I, you know, hobby blind spots have been removed. It's amazing to like track different sects of the hobby, um, you know, it's, it, it, in different ways, 14 days, 90 days, all time, stuff like that. So as cards continue to get added and, and we get great, like, like one guy that just got added that, that, uh, uh, that Josh um, suggested is uh, Aaron Rodgers. Man, Aaron Rodgers cards, you know, we, we do these player comparisons a lot of times, Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers, man, that guy is really cheap given what a talented player he is, given that he's still active, given that he can still add to his resume. You, you just see things like this happen all the time. The players that show up in the trend, like Hulk Hogan. We have Hulk Hogan cards. We have Hulk Hogan's 1982 Wrestling All-Stars. We have it in a PSA 9, 8, 7, 6, maybe a PSA 5. We just added all those grades recently. That card was number one on the ladder um, uh, for a day because it recorded an insanely high sale. Uh, you know, man, I would have never been looking at uh, Hulk Hogan cards, but it had a moment and it was fascinating. So, uh, okay. So, and then just the, the collection section of the tool is only for collectors that have cards in the ladder. Um, let me just uh, humbly correct the record on that because I could see how you could think that. Uh, but there is, a, there is a full scale capability to not only add all of your cards to your collection and begin monitoring them yourself. We also give you the power of our software to generate predictive values for them too. And if you reach out to us and say, hey, look, you know, I collect baseball. I know you guys might not have a bunch of this player, but if you can just get this player's key rookie card in, I can start generating multipliers for all the cards I have based on this player's key rookie card. And that methodology works pretty well. So we, just to give a quick example of why you might want to do that. So the 2003 Topps Chrome LeBron PSA 10, we're using that as a proxy for the market growth of the 2003-04 Ultimate Collection Signatures BGS 9.5 Auto 10. The last time that card sold was several months ago for about $11,000, and one ended at auction yesterday. Using the LeBron Topps Chrome Rookie PSA 10 as a proxy for the market of this Ultimate Collection of 304 Signatures Rookie card, uh, we predicted with 96% accuracy what that card would end at. And whereas if you were going off the comp that was just a few months old, it, the, the accuracy of that comp was 54% or 52%. So, you know, even if you have like a card from a totally different set, um, sometimes you can get a reasonable estimate um, just, just by having the one rookie card to predict, you know, kind of the growth of other important rookie cards too. But, but the point is well taken and, you know, we will continue to add cards, but, but we have to do it carefully. And we, you know, we, we want to build a Sterling data set. This is going to sound ridiculous to most people, but I, I, it's very important to me. I, I want one day a university researcher, maybe a grad student, maybe a professor could come into our system and conduct with a high level of confidence and the quality of the data an analytical uh, review or a research project studying the sports card market. I want our, uh, my goal for our data set is to permit that type of work to be done. So it, we have to take our time. We have to build card profiles carefully. And with that said, you know, the last week we've been building 30 a day on average, anywhere between 20 and 40. Um, but please bear with us. We appreciate it. And we, if, if you, if you, you, once you build a card profile, there's, you, there's a functionality that allows you to submit it to us. If you follow our guidelines and our stylizations and build a great card profile, we can integrate it into our system very quickly and easily. We have to review it. We have to spot check it. We have to vet it, but we could integrate it much more easily and more quickly. But, but we need people to build really high quality profiles in order for that to happen.
As I said earlier, I mean, we need to be patient with this. They're not going to come out of the gate with every card out there. So to ground zero, you know, if you feel it's only for collectors that have those cards on the ladder, I mean, I, you know, I feel it's for me and I've got a few cards on the ladder. I built my collection, but I'm looking out into the future. I'm a pretty patient person, except with my kids. I'm a pretty patient person. So I want to see, um, I, I'm willing to wait for more cards to get added and not be too critical of them for having lives and really not having a lot of staff right now to do this. But I still want to dive back to the, the question I stated earlier, which was what are the plans to scale to, to move? Because I can only imagine you guys want to speed up as much as you can. So that's an assumption I'm making. But with under that assumption, what are your plans to scale this and kind of accelerate the, 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 the maturity of the product? Yeah, well, great question. So a, a lot of time is dedicated right now, even among our researchers, to ironing certain things out. Um, I, man, we get hundreds of messages of feedback every day, and uh, we reply to every single one of them because um, we th we take, you know, if people took us seriously enough to put their time into writing us a message, the very least we can do is reply. So we are dedicating some resources right now to something that's going to lessen, which is the amount of people who are replying. But to, to get and so that means more time will free up for adding more cards. Um, you know, there's a, there's a finite number of of cards that are super relevant. Um, you know, will uh, Greg Olson's fifth year card from panini threads ever make it into the ladder and i maybe one day uh, but probably not probably not so there there's a finite number of cards to add that are relevant to a broad enough number of people that they merit placement in the ladder and that they merit regular uh value tracking so we hey, are Charlie, i'm yes. just gonna jump in because i think i think we understand that concept yeah. specifically do you have plans to get this ha happening faster we do we we do but we're very cautious um you know when we when when researchers come on and help us and they are they have to be of a certain quality and the card profiles that get built have to be good uh so we're we're cautious we are growing um we there there's plenty of plans there's we have multiple plans for scaling and different paths that we're looking at Obviously, I don't want to disclose too much of our internal discussions on that because, uh, you know, we have different paths available for how to grow, but we're absolutely uh, looking to grow. But we want to do it properly and we want to do it cautiously and we want to please the, coll the collectors and the members and the investors, everybody who's with us right now. We want to please those people. We want their cars to get into our system and we want to give them the tools to make that work. Uh, you know, I, if, I don't want to, I, I can't give too many specifics as to how we're scaling out because that's internal. Um, Fair enough, we, we are, we are scaling out and we do have obviously, you know, I mean, man, my dream for this thing is it to be the encyclopedia of, of relevant cards. Uh, that's a lot of cards yeah. and you know, look forward to getting there. Yeah, no, that, that's cool. I, I'm happy to hear that you, I don't need, I don't need to know what the plans are specific I, I, i'll ask it but i don't need to know it i'm happy knowing that you have a plan you guys have discussed it especially in the last week or so being overwhelmed by interest it's nice to know and um i can definitely see you getting there uh you know especially once you once you catch up and now you're only dealing with new issues as they come out year over year 
but certainly you need more people doing the research because you did mention to me that, I mean, you guys, they don't, and this is, this has not been mentioned yet. So this needs to be mentioned. You guys don't just um, scrape eBay for all the sales that have been happening and put them in the ladders database as data points. You guys actually, and this is, this is what I think most people won't believe or will be like, wow, but you guys actually vet every single completed sale that comes into your ladder as a data point. So you actually look in, you have techniques to figure out was this paid for and was it shilled? So that to me is a pretty awesome thing that is actually a part of your bottleneck from adding more cards. So again, to the comment, we're still on the ground zero comment that's up on the screen right now, but really to anyone else who's thinking it, I mean, it just speaks to we need to be patient, let this thing build up and support it along the way, which is something I think we can all we can all do. I wanna also mention a point you mentioned uh, just a little earlier when you were comparing Aaron Rodgers to Patrick Mahomes and you said Aaron Rodgers is very cheap compared to Patrick Mahomes. Well, my comment to that is that's the way the hobby works, right? The veterans are not as interesting as the younger guys who are sort of on the upswing. So it's always the case. We see it in all sports. We see it in hockey where, you know, Connor McDavid is selling for more than a Sidney Crosby, which makes no, in terms of the cup cards that just recently sold, which makes no sense to me because Sidney Crosby's a, a, a Hall of Famer who will probably get past the five-year um, required waiting period and um, and has two Stanley Cups or three Stanley Cups and all these other accolades. And McDavid has none of it. So except for a couple of uh, individual awards. So um, you, you want to jump in with something? I need to gently push back. And, uh, and here's how. Maybe this is a consequence of either people returning to the hobby after many years or investors who are reshaping the market. But if you look at who the hottest players are in the sports card market right now on the player ladder, on card ladder, I sound like I'm just shilling for card ladder, but it's just my source of data. If you look at the hottest players on card ladder, Steve Nash is in the top five. Steve Nash is retired. Steve Nash hasn't played basketball in a, in a way that matters to most people in a long, long time, but his cards are performing exceptionally well. What's happening there is people in the hobby, especially the mindset right now, people are always looking for value plays. And if they, and the, that card, his 1996 Chrome uh, PSA 10 rookie card is very low pop in a PSA 10. The refractor is like single digit pop for the PSA 10. People saw these cards and they said, you know what? I think this is undervalued for, I think for what Nash was like a two-time MVP, a terrific NBA player with a storied career. People said, you know what? Uh, wait a minute. Luka Doncic, uh, Prism Silvers are $3,000 and there's how many thousands of these? And I can go get a nice Steve Nash card and appreciate him and put that into my collection and I can get it for how much cheaper? This yeah. is sort of the logic of the hobby that we're seeing play out right now. And you know who else is is really hot on the ladder right now? It's Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard, the the, uh, the 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 you know the always amusing, very dynamic player. I, I think the same thing happened with him. People looked at him and they said, you know what? I you know this guy was would at one time you know one of the best or the best center in the league for a long period of time. You know he's probably going to get a championship this year with the Lakers. So that's sort of like a modern yeah, influence yeah. there. But I would analogize that to Aaron Rodgers. I would say, look, no, you know, Aaron Rodgers, there, there might just be people overlooking him. Fair enough. And I completely hear what you're saying. So what <laughs> I think is happening is that 
collectors are getting more savvy. They're not being fooled by who's hot right now, who the big rookie is. They're saying, they're also thinking to themselves, well, if these rookies are consistently selling at these prices, then these, these actual veterans who've got careers that are set in stone are actually under, are actually undervalued. Because instead of thinking these current guys' card values are going to come down to the to the point where the veterans are now are are the are really the the basis for value. So these the the younger guys' values will not come down. Instead, the veteran players' cards are going to come up, and I think and maybe even surpass as savvy collectors kind of catch on to this, which is something that I think a lot of people have caught on to, and maybe keeping it sort of secret and saying, hey. There's good value there. But now, I mean, you're seeing a Tim Duncan's, uh, his Chrome rookie PSA 10, just the base went from 150 when I bought mine last summer. Now it's doing $1,000. So I hear what you're saying and I, I I agree. Let's let's move on a little bit here. So I wanted to get an understanding for the big vision for Card Ladder. What are you guys like looking out into the distant future? And I think you already answered it. You said you see it, you want it to be an encyclopedia of relevant cards. I think that's an awesome vision for the product i want to see it get there too you know to my friend jason's comment earlier about getting pc cards in there i don't see that as being the main sort of the central service that the that the ladder provides but i do like that as a sort of tertiary type of service is that you can add your own players in there and build your own portfolio for your own collection using the card ladder's nice user interface and other tools so you're kind of capturing a lot of different uh uses and and user desires for that so uh kudos for that let's continue you had on your and we're going to go back and forth a little bit here but i just want to make the point that on episode four of conversations with chris your guest was dr james beckett probably the most legendary name in the hobby ever awesome and i find it i found it really cool that you are creating this tool uh, kind of in parallel with you having him on your show. And he's the guy who pioneered, you know, price guides, really. Uh, maybe he there may have been some real amateur ones before, but he he brought it to the masses, uh, uh, you know, really to the to the uh, to most effectively. And now here you are creating a, a tool that helps to either, you know, reflect market values and even predict them taking it a step further what was like what was it like for you as a collector as a creator of a valuation tool to sit with dr beckett for an hour hour and a half and talk hobby with this guy what was that like well it was tremendous uh dr beckett is an icon and inspiration and you know look he he has a podcast and he talks to everybody um, and so, you know, we reached out and, and Christina made the connection because everybody likes Christina, you know, Christina is extremely likable. So Christina built the bridge. Um, you know, my, my friend, uh, Jordan Hagedorn, uh, has established a great relationship with Dr. Beckett. I reached out, you know, said, Hey, could we talk hobby? And, you know, Dr. Beckett, uh, has a PhD in statistics. He was an associate professor or uh, maybe an adjunct. He was a professor for some period of time teaching statistics his ambition, as he explains it, was always to responsibly grow the hobby, to provide information using scientific methods. Even when I talked to him a little bit about BGS grading and the implementation of subgrades, he emphasized, he underscored that he wanted to bring a scientific approach to grading cards. So I love uh, the rigor 
of his approach. And, and I love, you know, the, his passion for how to approach the hobby. And as I, as I was talking to him, you know, at one point in the conversation, we, we were talking about the value of boxes and box prices. And, and, you know, he's, he has a very keen interest in distinguishing uh, buying boxes and opening product from gambling. Um, and he says, the way that you distinguish is you, if, if you're, if you have an edge, if you have an informational edge, then you're not gambling, you're doing something different. And he started talking about some of his different philosophies on that. And then at one point in time, he even said, Oh, I'm giving away too many secrets. Now, maybe I should just stop. And so like to have the hobby luminary himself, you know, engage in conversation, uh, and, and, and make a remark like that, that, that he was perhaps, I mean, I don't know. I, I, you know, I could die a happy hobbyist uh, after that moment. Uh, and, and, and I even posed to him my classic questions that I pose to everybody. Uh, you know, who's overvalued? Who's undervalued? Yeah, hang on. We're going to, okay. I'm going to okay. pose them to you. So, but okay. uh, you know, I thought I listened to the whole episode. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, you don't want to give too much away because let people go watch it or listen and watch that episode. It's on the house of Jordan's uh, YouTube channel. Everybody, you can go check it out there. It was it was very entertaining, and you know I just thought it was awesome to you know again this is a guy whose name has been synonymous with the hobby since the since the mid to late eighties. I remember I have I have issue one of of every magazine except the baseball one, and uh, so it was just really cool to hear him speak and reminisce and really opine on his his what the state of the hobby today, what he's seeing, and I can tell you. I was expecting him to be a little bit more, um, you know, not as current as he was, but he knows what's going on with the hobby, which, I mean, that's pretty cool. I thought that was interesting. So, okay, let's keep on. Let's whip through some comments. I think we've really covered card ladder now to the extent that we need to. There will be some more questions that we'll come to, so we will visit it again, but let's uh, let's see if we can move on. I want to Frankie's comment here, political science major here, and I just love trying to predict human behavior, definitely challenging and fun, apply it to cards, and now you have a perfect match, LOL. Amit says, if it's a repeat, please skip it. How do you separate yourself from the market movers tool, which is sports card investors tool? Um, I can see that answer taking about half an hour or so. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, Amit, we didn't approach it yet, uh, but let's save it for the end because I want to I want to keep on going here. Um, unless, Chris, you, you can get this out in 30 to 45 seconds. Oh, well, let me just say this. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely biased on this question. Uh, I, I love card ladder for a million reasons that you'd have to replay the whole episode perhaps. And I know that's not a satisfying answer. Uh, so what I would say, I would humbly submit is, uh, you know, please, uh, take opportunity to try a seven day trial with us. Um, it's free. And, uh, maybe, you know, you could answer that question for yourself better than I could, but, uh, you know, I, I, Jeff and sports card investor has generated an, a remarkable hobby movement, hobby energy, hobby enthusiasm, a, a group of people. And, you know, I'm excited for him. I congratulate him. I think he's got a great thing going. Uh, you know, we're, we're doing something a little different. You know, I, and I, you know our, our tagline is telling the story of the hobby through data. And then we just went through, you know, quite an extended discussion about all the different stuff you can do with card ladder. So, you know, if that sounds pretty good to you, we'd love to have you give us a try. Yeah, awesome. Um, okay. Uh, Carlos says, standard deviation. I have to dust off my stats textbook for cards now. Tough times. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? There's so much. I think it's just a testament to where the hobby's at and how it's grown and how many new investors and, and how just 
when you have cards that were worth $50 a couple of years ago, that are now worth $1,000, I think it just begs for more analytics. And Chris is a analytical, uh, I, I'll call you a guru, but you're more of an enthusiast. You're also an enthusiast. You love it. Again, I've said it before, but you go listen to some of the old episodes of House of Jordans. They're analytical lessons uh, on cards. It's really interesting stuff. It's no surprise that he's involved in Card Ladder. Uh, Ziggy says, suggestion to the Card Ladder team, a hit tracker. Could you add the ability to track one of ones and big chase cards and products if you see them in sales data? Awesome. Okay, note, note that. Uh, Frankie says, 52 Mantles, definitely in a league of its own, much like the T206 Wagner. Agree. Uh, we would prefer more error for more scale. Uh, yeah, that's a good, that's noted. a good noted, noted comment. Interesting noted. comment. Ziggy said, I'd love someone to track NT basketball right now. How many 99 Zions are out there? Plus logo man bounty card ladder could really help count, help me count cards. Another suggestion. Well, if, if, you go to the, if you go to the Zion NTRPA card profile, there's a link to the Wax Museum podcast RPA tracker that does exactly that. There you go. So again, I want to highlight that. That's what I love. These card profiles link to relevant information. I mean, I didn't even really notice that when I, in terms of my involvement and reviewing the product, I was just stuck adding my own cards and seeing which ones were in there. So I haven't got that far along yet. Uh, Ground Zero does say, love the tool, brother. It's amazing. We just need to add it, add personal value to the users. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. And I, But I think what's even also fair is that that's what these guys are trying and wanting to do. It's simply going to take time. Uh, what is the most fascinating trend that you have found thus far? That's a great question, GB wow. Rainbow. You want to? Do you have this ready to go, Chris? Oh well, I, I, how about this? How about every day something blows my mind? How about that? How about how uh, a user suggested that we had? I, I mentioned this once. I've been mentioning it. Hulk Hogan cards, and for a day there, because the timeliness of that suggestion. Hulk Hogan had the number one card on card ladder. Over the last 14 days, there was a there was a day over the last 14 days when his PSA 7 1982 Wrestling All-Stars card was performing better financially than any sports card that we were tracking. That includes all the, you know, key LeBrons, Lucas, etc. That was jaw-dropping. Now, did, did, am I going to go, I wrote this in the ladder headlines, am I going to go pick up wrestling cards all of a sudden? No, I don't collect those. But it was absolutely insightful and fascinating to see something like that happen. Uh, but man, uh, every day things blow my mind. My, the most exciting part of my day is after I've reviewed all the sales in the pending folder, and then I push calculate stats, and then I push sort the ladder. Great functionalities that Josh has built into the admin panel. And then I and my heart skips a beat, and I go look at the, the list, and I say, please, Lord, make this list make sense. And I look at the list, and I just see, and I learn interesting things Every single day. Uh, so, so there's lots. There's lots. lots. I mean, and you know, you could actually in your in your newsfeed, you could say today, you know, Chris's favorite trend spotted spotted favorite spotted trend of the day. Maybe you could do something like that. Okay, Jason Jones says, "How do you stay ahead of competitive offerings that will inevitably enter the market?" And in the interest of time, I'm going to make a suggestion. We're going to move on, which is simply, Chris, keep doing what you're doing. Don't con don't compromise the integrity of the data too much, if at all. I think that's one of your core competencies and, and really the com a competitive advantage that you have and, uh, and, and service the customers that you have and get their cards in and you'll organically grow from there. Sorry to kind of answer a question that wasn't directed at me, but I want to keep moving here. 
Ground Zero says, agree, late 90s rookies were so undervalued. Glad to see them rising, which they have. Uh, building Builder, Building Builder Kip says, personal finance dad's watching. How cool is that? I think that's pretty darn cool. Thanks for watching. Carlos says, about the feed, how do you avoid favoring certain hobby creators? It's tough to avoid promoting those you know and consistently watch, even if they are quality, creates perception, they have an edge. That's a, you know, and you have mentioned to me, Chris, that, you know, you are, you're trying to keep bias to a minimum. You're trying to be very transparent. Here we are on a show together and you're linking to my show in Card Ladder. Um, <laughs> thoughts on that and any plans to how you're going to manage that? Carlos is absolutely correct. Um, we, you know, I try to eliminate editorializing um, to the extent that we can. That's why, you know, A, we show all assumptions. Anytime we're doing anything analytical and card ladder, we apply the same objective formula to ranking cards. It applies to every single card. Uh, but at the end of the day, especially when it comes to the newsfeed, it is going to be editorial to a certain extent. And, um, you know, I would love to make the most unbiased newsfeed possible. I would love to do that. Uh, but as a human um, and as a completely flawed human, I know that that's a limit that I have. And uh, I'll just try my best, man. I'll try my best to supply relevant information to you guys. And, you know, if you see me slipping, please let me know. And I will do my best to get better. You know, perfect response, Chris. I, I completely respect that. Number one, you, you admit that you are human and you know who you know, you know what you know, and you're aware of it. And really that self-awareness is, I think, what can set you apart from um, potential competition. Frankie says, Shaq, Beam Team members only PSA 10. That trend had me going, what? And you know what? I've been surprised too. I've been watching Shaq cards for a long time. And that card, I don't, I don't like the looks of it, so it doesn't interest me, but I'm Kind of wish it did because I would have been up uh, several thousand dollars had I bought one. You don't like the looks of the Shaq Beam team? I don't, man. I way prefer his 92 Upper Deck card with the various images on it. I have I bought that card back in Cleveland in like 2011 for a PSA 10 for like 60 bucks. One just did 2,500. I'm okay. I did okay on that one. But I, I no, I'm not a big fan of, of the Beam teams. Hey, we all have our own taste, right? Sean Robb, a prior guest of mine, says, can you see a day when modern hockey rookie cards take off like modern NBA prism optic rookies? Example, Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser. Chris, from somebody who is not a hockey guy, but you are starting to gain interest, can you quickly sort of give your thoughts on if you think there's potential for hockey? Elias Pettersson's Young Guns rookie card is in the ladder. So we are, we, I do see that card sell quite frequently. Yeah. Is that one I suggested? It I think sure it must is. Be. It must be. It sure is. It sure is. Uh, look, uh, I so so ever since Jeremy sent the hockey suggestions, Christina has been uh, you know growing a hockey interest. She bought some hockey packs that she ripped the other day. I I love that hockey has Wayne Gretzky. Uh, that's just because hey, it's like Michael Jordan of hockey. I I get that. That's a nice entry point for me to understand what's going on with hockey. Uh, I, you know, being in LA, there actually is a strong uh, support and collector base of hockey. And I've, I'm being indoctrinated into the cup because the owner of one of our local card shops, uh, absolutely called the bullpen, he absolutely loves the cup. He, anytime he gets that product in and you come into his shop, he will make you sit there. He'll show <laughs> you the box. He's, these are the nicest cards in the hobby. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And if he opens a box, you will gaze and appreciate those cards more than you ever would want to. 
So I, you know, I think hockey is extremely promising. I think the fact that, you know, the, the, the brilliant minds behind upper deck are engineering hockey cards is terrific. And I, you know, I need to get into hockey a little bit more. I need to get into it more as a sport, but you know, a lot of the guys that grew up around played hockey. Uh, I, you know, and, and it all takes sometimes that little, that little connection to get into hockey. And you know what, with all these other markets going nuts and hockey's going nuts too, because of that Connor McDavid PSA nine RPA did some unfathomable number. Um, and it's in the link to its profile on card ladder as well. So I was reading about that the other day. Uh, you know, maybe hockey's already taken off. I don't know. I don't know enough yet, but man, there might be value in hockey. There, you know, soccer started taking off, right? Like h- hockey is a sport that I think has a lot of appeal and I don't think people understand, or maybe they do. I didn't understand for a while how much talent it takes to play hockey. Mm-hmm. Hockey athletes are unbelievably gifted athletes and the margin for error in hockey, Jeremy, you and I were talking about this a little bit is, is so small. Um, so that it, it's a very, very impressive sport. Uh, so I don't know, man. I'm bullish on hockey, and and looks like Christine is forcing my hand. And we're going to be getting into hockey one way or another, anyway. Well, I can't. Well, I, can't I can't wait to see when uh, you, you and or Christina start showing some really nice hockey cards on your Instagram feed, yeah. and, and you know, shout me out on there so I'm called to it and I can uh, give you my my opinion or my advice or whatever you need. Uh, Shave Log says, "Are you guys related twins?" Well, I'll tell you, we're not related, but we do go to the same barber. That I can tell you, right? And Shave Logs, shout out to you, man. I love your Instagram feed, man. I, I, I And I watch your videos too, man. Awesome stuff. Uh, Building says, shows like personal finance dads and yours are helping me get my learning on. If you're talking about mine, thank you very much. I, I couldn't be prouder to hear that, as I'm sure every all the other content creators out there are. We're, I mean, if everyone out there who, who has your own YouTube channel and you're watching, if you love doing it as much as I do, um, kudos to you because uh, I'm having a blast. So I think we're all having fun doing it. Uh, suggestion from Ziggy, add a wiki-like function to the feed and let paying members contribute. Fair comment. Uh, yeah, sporting the Jean-Luc Picard look tonight. Yes, we are. And uh, uh, Jake loves Jean-Luc. All right. Awesome. That's the, that's the bottom of the comment. The first time we've got to the bottom of the comments tonight. So I'm happy about that because we're getting, we're, we got about 15 minutes left to my typical two-hour program. And we still have four topics that I wanted to touch on. Um, so yeah, Christina, Christina just jumps in and says, hockey grails will be forthcoming. Love hearing that. Awesome, Christina. Okay, so I wanted to, I'm going to just, there, there were two other topics, actually. One is I wanted to switch the focus over to you a bit more personally, Chris, in terms of what do you collect and why? Like, it's nice to know that you have your House of Jordans channel where you get all analytical about Jordan cards and the hobby. You got your spinoff shows. We've talked about them. You've now got the Card Ladder Project, which is an amazing project. I can't wait to see that grow and mature over time. Again, I'm more than willing to be patient with it. Um, but what about you? What do you collect? When, and, and why do you collect what you collect? Yeah, I collect together with Christina, uh, Michael Jordan, and Luka Doncic. Those are our two PCs. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, let me, you know, I always say that like you can just show somebody a card and it can tell you quite a bit about their collection. And here's what I'll show you. This is a PSA authentic Luka Doncic 2018 rookie card, Prism Base. It was signed at a Clippers game that Christina, myself, Brian, House of Jordan co-host and his girlfriend all attended. And here is the ticket stub. I, I always kept that with the card. Uh, you know, we are fans of Luca. We love Luca. We love watching him play. 
We've traveled. We've obviously seen him play in Los Angeles against the Clippers here locally. We've traveled to the American Airlines Center in Dallas to watch him play there. That card, the fact that, you know, a great hobby friend of ours instructed us for where to get our seats so that we could make sure to get in there and get his autograph on time. We got there super early. We did it on his Prism base card for a reason, uh, not for the value. I, I think the card would be more valuable if it was a PSA 10 than a PSA authentic sign card, but but because of what it symbolizes. So that, you know, that kind of tells the story of our passion for collecting and enjoying the career of Luca. And then uh, on the other hand, let me show you another card that sort of can tell another part of my collecting story. And this is the Michael Jordan Scoring Kings PSA 9. This card was the card that eluded me as a child. When I would go into local card shops, that card was always sitting there with a $150 price tag sticker on it. And I mean, back when that card came out, you know, I was eight, nine, 10 years old. It was way out of my budget. It didn't matter how many lawns I mowed. I was never gonna be able to afford that card. So when I would look in dealer shops and look behind the showcase glass and that card was always out of reach, this was the very first card I bought when I came back into the hobby in 2016, Michael Jordan, and it kickstarted on Michael Jordan collecting phenomena. So there you go, my friend, two cards that sort of tell you kind of about me as a collector. I love it, man. I love the Jordan, the, the scoring Kings there, because you said, you know, it eluded you as a kid. Now here you are an adult. You've got a little bit of, you've got some discretionary money you can spend and, and slash invest and you went and you chased the card that eluded you as a kid. I think that's something we we can all identify with that as kind of a reintroduction into the hobby. That's that's a classic, classic story. Um, okay, some more comments coming in really quickly here. I like Ziggy's comment. How's the Gretzky spinoff? Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. Uh, Ziggy, wants, Ziggy wants to know, were you Luca fans at his draft? When did you become Luca fans? What was the trigger? Oh, man, we are so risk averse and conservative that even to collect a, a quote unquote prospect was a huge deal for us because, you know, we collect Jordan. That's about the safest guy to collect, I think, relative, you know, as safe as card collecting can get. <laughs> so when we decided to get involved with a prospect, we waited quite a while. We watched him for the entirety of his rookie season. Uh, we, you know, we, we started opening, we love opening wax. And back when 2018, 19 prism hobby was still $200 a box. We were opening it and we were chasing the Lucas silver because that was the chase card. So there was these dual interests in him as a player with who's suddenly starting to have this unbelievable rookie season that was catching our interest. And then we were trying to pull his cards. So like, but we were just having fun. But after, so first of all, for the all-star votes, he was either the, the third highest or the second highest vote getter as a rookie, and he would have been voted a starter if it was up to the fans. And that really captured my interest because when you're studying the card market and you're trying to project where a player can go, their encore performance obviously matters a lot, but so too does their appeal and their ability to factor into pop culture and media narratives. And I saw right there, this guy has captivated people. That's interesting. Then after the all-star break, he put up a stat line of about 27, six and six or something like that. And LeBron's stat line in his sophomore year was 27, seven and seven. Uh, so I, I believe. And so I looked at that and the, the, the analysis that I performed was this guy might be able to have a statistically analogous sophomore year to LeBron James. And if he does that, which is a, as, which is a, a, a gamble, I don't know if he will or not, but if he does that, then I see that his cards might be a safe place uh, to, to store some money and to, and to hold a hold cards of this guy. So we I analyzed him. We watched his whole season. Uh, we, we, you know, it got to a point where we were watching every game on league pass of, that the Mavericks played. We would, our hearts would be broken if he was sitting out and they were sitting him out. Cause I think they might've unintentionally sort of been tanking a little bit to end the season, but we watched every single game. And then the thing that kind of like pushed me over the edge to make us kind of get into 
some of his more bigger cards was he had a 60 minute highlight reel mixtape on YouTube. I don't advise anybody to buy cars based on mixtapes or highlight reels because this is all selection bias run wild here. You know, these are all handpicked things to make a guy look good. But I watched this highlight reel. I said, man, this guy has as many highlight games and performances in his rookie season that all time greats have had over their entire careers. This kid is special. He's electric. He's magnetic. He's he's a really special player. And then we started studying his European history from, you know, in the in the uh, when he was playing with Real Madrid, winning the MVP over there in that league, winning a championship in that league. I mean, just it all just piled up. And at the end of the, the, the of his rookie season was right when National Treasures came out. So we were at a local shop. We pulled the trigger on an RPA of his. Then we said, OK, we, let's go ahead and get his prism gold. We got those two cars. We started getting more and more. And then um, he uh, he outstripped our expectations tremendously when this season started. But we we were very cautious. We made really, really sure that we liked him enough to want to collect his cards. We waited a whole year. Awesome. Awesome. So Z- Ziggy does agree with you. He was robbed of an all-star last year. He became a big fan after he sold those Luca Prism Silvers and Color and realized he was awesome. And I want to mention that early on in your House of Jordans uh, podcast, before you took to YouTube, couple of your episodes were focused on a road trip that you and Christina took across the country doing a it was like a card a, a local card shop tour and I mean I listened to these driving on the highway going on walks and I remember you guys talking about you were hunting for that Luca prism silver that's what you guys wanted and I think you finally hit one but those are some those are some fun episodes uh, to listen to for sure I want to call on call up uh, personal finance dad's comment here because this one really hits home with me he says how much of all of this is about us finally being able to have the money to buy the cards that escaped us in childhood so i'm going to just tell a quick story here when i was younger and i mentioned um actually you'll if you listen to conversations with chris tomorrow where episode five where i'm the honored guest um i mentioned that i first discovered cards with uh three of my cousins and these cousins of mine they were all brothers they were getting boxes of Opeachy hockey cards in the, in the early to mid 80s on the weekends from their parents. Meanwhile, here's me. I'm getting a $2 allowance, which would afford me maybe four or five packs after I bought some candy because, of course, I had to buy candy too. And I was always sort of gelsons who were getting the whole box. I thought, that's unbelievable. You're getting a box of 36 or 48 packs. I'm getting four packs. How am I going to ever get my whole set done? And I, I believe, I can. I really believe that part of the reason that I'm still doing cards 40-something years later is because I'm still, in a way, and this is humbling to say, but I'm almost still, still in a way, psychologically, maybe trying to catch up, still competing. And, I mean, that's just, it's just a, a, a it's just the truth, you know, and I think it's the truth. I'd have to really think about it a bit more, but... I think that's part of it, whatever our reasons are for collecting, but to, to the comment that's on the board, and by the way, I do watch the Personal Finance Dad's YouTube channel. I recommend you all go subscribe to it. Really good stuff. And speaking of subscribing, if you joined middle or late, I do, if you're willing to subscribe to my channel, Sports Cards Live, please do. I'm trying to grow this thing, continue bring, bringing everybody some excellent guests, and I do have some more awesome ones lined up and some more guys on my target list, so please do subscribe and and uh, check it out. But anyway, to the back to the comment on the screen right now, I think that's what a lot of it is about for those of us who were doing it as a kid. You know, if you're just coming in new, brand new now because of what's going on in the hobby, it might be a bit different. But if you were in this since being a kid, 
I think a lot of that has to do with that. So really cool comment that let me just sort of get nostalgic in my own in my own head here. So thank you for that. Um, Scott says, I like seeing the basketball versions of hockey cards I own. Yeah, same here, you know, especially when it comes to like PMGs and all that, where you know, you know that there there may not be a long-standing brand equity in hockey for PMG, but because it existed in basketball, it I think it's automatically transferable. Same goes for jambalayas, among other things. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Jake says, yeah, agree with what uh, personal finance dad said, as I certainly do. It was one of the highlights of my childhood for sure. Yeah, like so many of us, right? So many of us. Um, all right, what is next here? We have we have still lots of comments coming on. Um, <clears throat> uh, Terry wants to know, what do you have for Jordan rookies, Chris? Uh, a reasonable amount. Um, we have the 1986 Fleer in three different grades, which building those all-time sales histories is no joke. We have the 1984-85 Star XRC in three or four different grades. And in fact, shout out to Frankie3500 who helped us construct and in fact did the research to construct the profile for the BGS 9.5, which is a pop three and is only recorded ever. Uh, uh, well, there's three sales. One is an unverifiable eBay sale that we, we can't rely on. And then there's two that happen on the Beckett marketplace that Frankie supplied sources. We were able to, you know, long story short, we, we have a prediction up for that card and its value as well, but I won't spoil the fun, but go take a look at that card profile. So, so we have several different grades of the star XRC. We have the 1985 Nike uh, jumbo card. Some people consider that an XRC, I probably do. We have the 1985 Prism Jewel sticker. We have that in a variety of grades, BGS and PSA. Really interesting notes about that card too. Not, people, not many people know about the large block and the small block variations. We include information about that in the card's notes. So, uh, you know, nice, nice little smattering. We do not have the Interlake currently, but uh, definitely a good one to add. Uh, but, you know, we're growing. We're, we're, we're trying to grow everybody together, you know, yeah. uh, we, but, but we're, we're getting there. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. Uh, the PFD, I'm going to start calling it the PFD now, says, thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate you guys are all awesome. I watch everyone's episodes. So to all of the content creators on here right now, they're watching. That's uh, really nice to hear from, for on all of our behalfs. Um, and then uh, Ziggy says, I hope every content provider here tonight will shout out Sports Cards Live on your channels. Jeremy has a gem mint show and he deserves more hobby love. Well, thank you, Ziggy. Very flattering. Uh, Jake says, I traded the Luca Optic retail out of 25 way too early last August. Love the cards it re received, but that Luca is surely 10x now. Can I tell a story about that card? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. He offered it to me and I foolishly turned it down, but you know, we just didn't have the ability to buy it at that time. I went to a shop, I'm sorry, I went to a show before this COVID stuff happened. Christina and I did a few months ago. Guess what? That very card was at the show, the one that Jake once owned. I took a picture of it. I had to send it to Jake. I said, look, man, your card has made it all the way across the country. Jake told me the story of how it got swapped and traded around. The, the card actually made it to the owner, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, because the members of his group all got together and bought that card for him. So there's just so much history wrapped up in that card. Shout out, Jake. I, I remember that card, buddy. And I, it was crazy seeing that card in person, knowing that you once owned it. Great story. Great story. Okay. The next topic I want to discuss after covering off sort of uh, you as a collector is, you know, you are very active and we're getting, let me just interrupt myself. We're at the hour 59 mark right now. We're going to go over time a little bit, but as I say, there's no rules. We can do whatever we want. So let's keep on chatting. We're going to go a few more, a little bit over time here. Um, <clears throat> you are very active on Instagram. You've got a lot of followers. I want you to kind of 
explain to people who may be watching that don't play on Instagram as much as you, and I'm very active on there myself, um, what is it about the Instagram community and the hobby community in general, but specifically Instagram, that really attracts you and keeps you so active and engaged and, and interactive with other members? The ability to chat with collectors is huge. Um, but how do you find people to chat with? Well, you need to network. How do you network? You show off your PC. And let me tell you, man, there's not many things that are as fun as taking a beautiful picture of your card. You take Sometimes I take like 30 minutes to get the right angle. And then I'm sitting there on my phone applying filters, trying to get it right, trying to make sure my bald, shiny dome doesn't reflect off of the, the slab. And so I, I take a nice picture. I post it. I put <laughs> wipe I put, the shine off. <laughs> I, I put like a nice like write up of the card, you know, when I talk about why I like it, maybe I tell the story of how I got it. Maybe I, you know, talk about the athlete who's depicted and nine times out of 10, it's going to be Jordan or it's going to be Luca. And I post it and then people see it and people get enthusiastic and pumped about, you know, what was written and stuff and they enjoy it. And, and some people laugh and say, wow, you are a dweeb. And this is really way too much. Just, just post your cards and shut up. But no matter what, you know, it's a, so it, it's a, it's a chain reaction. You post, you share your PC, you get to express a little bit of who you are. You get to talk about why you love the hobby. You meet people that way. You start chatting, group chats, develop bonds, form before you know it, people are helping you land cards. You're helping people land cards. You're making deals. You're building relationships Then you start a podcast then you start and the snowball keeps rolling or whatever, you know, how, however involved you want to get, you can get. Um, but, you know, Instagram and social media are for extroverts and for introverts, you know, because even if you're a person who just wants to keep to yourself, you can still share your cards. You know, you don't have to reply to messages. You don't have to get too engaged, but you can still share your cards. And let me tell you, people, I love to see when people share their cards. I love it when people take creative pictures of their cards. I love it though. I just love to see the cards all the same. So, you know, I don't know. I can't, I can't really speak highly enough of how much fun Instagram is. You know, you can turn on, you can turn it off. You know, if you want to turn off the hobby for a little while, just don't log in. And if you want to join a vibrant community of people that's active literally 24-7, especially because of the international presence, you can do that too. There's a Luca group chat that has, it have, you know, not a, a substantial portion of it is people from the Philippines, Korea, Asia. You know, those people are chatting when we're sleeping. And then we wake up and we chat when they're sleeping and we interact back and forth with each other. Like the hobby never stops if you don't yeah. want it to. Oh, it's awesome because you're getting to meet people from all over the world. And eventually when we can go to card shows and congregate, you're going to actually be able to, you know, bump elbows and have a meal together and really get to know the person uh, for who they are, which I was fortunate to do at the last national met a, meeting a few people that I had only known on Instagram. And that was awesome. I just want to thank Ground Zero for watching. He's uh, getting out of here now. Thank you for watching. Appreciate your viewership and your comments tonight very much for sure. Um, and, you know, back to Instagram for a second. For me, you know, I, uh, I've i got a lot of message board uh, experience and history and as far as communicating on them, on message boards, and then taking it the next step and meeting these people at card shows, mostly the Expo in Toronto, and hanging out with them twice a year, meals, you know, card shows, doing deals, all that. Instagram has provided me with a new lens for that same sort of interaction, but new people that I didn't discover before in new and new people that are collecting a lot of basketball, which was sort of my entry into Instagram. And it's been awesome. You know, I, I got Adam and, and Rodman. I got to meet them last year at the national. And that was a highlight for me. They're both, I consider them both friends. Now Adam's going to be my guest coming up. It's on the screen right now on July the 8th, which I think is amazing just because I got to, it's all because of Instagram. I, I, I will say, 
Um, I like a couple of these comments that have come in right here. Ziggy says, overtime, thank you both. And Jake goes, yeah, the SCL overtime. Yeah, this is it for sure. This is it for sure. Christina just wants to affirm that Chris does take hundreds of pictures before he picks the right one that he's actually going to put out on his Instagram. Uh, and she makes him take pictures of her cards too. That's really nice. Carlos takes a stab at our balding, uh, our, our our hair challenge, let's call it. That's okay, Carlos. <laughs> Thanks for the comment, brother. Um, one uh, That is uh, Abdul, I believe, says, one of my daily rituals is checking Chris's story feed to see everyone else's cards. That's true. That's one thing I've noticed about Chris's uh, story feed is that he's often reposting other people's highlights. And I think that's important because Chris has a lot of followers, more than most. And this is a way to help build that community, grow everyone's follower numbers. Because, you know, right or wrong, if it's vain or not, we all like to see those follower numbers go up. It's just part of being human, I think. Ziggy says, I love your passion, Chris. Really appreciate your energy. I can't wait to meet you at the National in the future. You inspired my channel. Huge fan. Same goes for me. A lot of inspiration there. Austin says, these interviews really reinforce my passion in the hobby. So thanks for that, Austin. Again, that's the feedback that has me doing this. This is why I keep going. That's why I love doing the show because I get great feedback. And I can't thank you guys all enough that watch for watching. If you're new to the program, thank you for tuning in tonight. Thank you, Chris, for bringing new viewers to Sports Cards Live. If you haven't yet, please consider subscribing to the YouTube channel. I greatly, greatly appreciate that. Paul says, best part of Instagram, few fuzzy Sasquatch sighting photos. Yeah, you know, the cool, I make it a habit of, I really only follow the card account. So if someone follows me and they're a private account, I don't tend to follow back because I I think it's it's for open card collecting. And I have a personal account where I follow my friends and family and other people. But my card account is really for cards. And I really only want to follow cards because when I'm scrolling through it, I only want to look at cards. So apologies to anyone that I may not have followed. If you're if you have a card as every 12th post, it's not really the accounts I'm looking to follow. But that's the beauty of it all. Just like our collections, we build them to suit ourselves, just like you you build your, your Instagram feed as well. So I encourage people to do that the same way. Last thing before we wrap up, Chris, you have a habit on your show. The, the conversations with Chris, one of the spinoffs of House of Jordan, of asking all your guests two questions. I heard you ask them to Dr. Beckett. I heard you ask them to Coleman Cards. I heard you ask them to myself, to which I was very happy to answer. We're going to turn, we're going to flip the script here. We're going to bring it on to you now. Question number one, what do you like better, watching sports or collecting sports cards? Collecting sports cards, uh, super easy answer. Uh, I was astonished. I ran an Instagram poll that asked people this and I don't know, 130, 140 responses came in and it was 50, 50. <laughs> and I was like, good Lord, you, uh, you uh, man, I, 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 I suddenly felt out on an Island of like, Oh man, maybe I just love cards too much or something, but, but that's not the case. It was people who absolutely love cards who came back and they said, look, you know, we, we just, we prioritize watching sports because, you know, we believe that without the sports, the cards wouldn't exist. And so, you know, we, there's, there's like a certain logic to their answer that, you know, it, because sports are a necessary condition for the existence of cards, they feel obligated to say that watching sports is what they like. But for me, collecting cards all day. Um, and not to say I don't love watching sports. I literally watch every Mavericks game with Christina, but uh, no, it's, it's all about collecting. It's all about the cards. So I'm not going to give away what my response was to the question because I'll let people listen to that 
on your podcast that you're dropping tomorrow on YouTube and and I believe on um, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts and everywhere else that, that podcasts tend to live. iTunes, I think it might be called. Um, so I did answer that question too. I had a blast answering it. It was something that got me thinking. So you can check that out on Chris's show. Thanks for that answer. The second question that you have a habit of asking people is to name, in your opinion, one player or card that is overrated or overvalued and one that is underrated or undervalued. I'll let you decide what you want to do first and take it away. Yeah. So watch me weasel my way here into giving an extremely diplomatic answer because I just am so, I don't, I hate to tell somebody that their PC player is overrated. So watch this. Luka Doncic is the answer to both questions. Uh, Luca's um, his more iconic, highly transacted cards, like his prison-based PSA 10, which is like a mainstay of the ladder, and we track it. And you know, it's it's great. People love that card. It has like a pop 12,000 on the PSA 10. Uh, the the 2018-19 prism overall pop is like, you know, coming up on being half as much as 1986 Fleer, which you know, there's some food for thought. It's it's going to be uh, 125,000 sooner or later. 1986 Fleer is 250,000. So, okay, I feel like that card's a little too common. Uh, from my taste and I feel like the price of it is it's beginning to flirt with 800 I wouldn't be surprised if it began to approach a thousand as we got closer to the NBA Finals I just believe that it's so common and it sells so frequently uh, That it, it doesn't have a huge appeal to me, but I understand why people love it But I feel like it's a bit overvalued same thing goes for the prism silver again a great card beautiful card It was our chase card. It's the card that got us into Luke. I understand why the market is so strong for it, but there, now, this feeds into the next part of my question, undervalued. I also believe Luca cards, there are certain Luca cards that are super undervalued. And let me tell you a story that can illustrate this point better than me just blabbing on and on about it. So we, Christina and I, and this is really Christina who spotted this card. This is a one-of-one one Luca. My uncle is a weatherman, and he's much better at like, using the camera in reverse than I am. One-of-one one, Luca Doncic, net marbles, black, press proof. All right, so there's only three variants of this card. There's the base, there's a press proof, and there's a one of one So this is the only numbered version of it. It, hit, it came up on eBay in early January for uh, $550, I think, and, and we, we binned it. And then, you know, I made a post about it at the time, and I said, look, you could get a Luca Prism Silver base, P or, I mean, you could get a Luca Prism base PSA 10 for however much it was at that time, 400, 500 bucks, or you could get this card. Which card would you rather get? And it was split. You know, some people said, hey, we like the one of one but I said, I said, I think one of ones are undervalued. Second year one of ones are undervalued at this point in time. And the reason why I thought that is because they're just, they're, they're beautiful cars. They're something unique. And because they appeal to collectors, I believe in, in the path of the collector. And so what do you know? This card and this set ends up becoming a smash because lots of other people saw in the aesthetic what Christina saw in it. Now you can't even get the unnumbered press proof in a 9.5 for $600, okay? So that card not only on the market did extremely well, but it spoke to the collector in me and the collector passion in me. So I've had a rule of thumb. I now have like 10-ish Luca one of ones some from rookie year, some from his second year. The, the belief system I have and the, the, the heuristic that I use that if a Luca one of one is cheaper than his Prism Silver, especially if it's rookie year, that card feels undervalued to me. And I'm going to go ahead and snatch it up. Now it's gotten tougher because Luca one of ones are going up in value. There was a Court Kings, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the answer off the top of my head, like points in the paint or something. A one of one just sold for like $2,000. <laughs> 
I know that because Brian was the second highest bidder and he thought he was going to win it for sure. And he didn't. So that's where I think there's tremendous value to be made in the collector mindset uh, instructs and teaches how to operate in that space of the hobby. Interesting answer. We're going to get to a few comments. Some of them speak to it. So I first want to thank Ziggy for, uh, for asking people to give the thumbs up on the video. Ziggy, I do appreciate that. Um, Austin, thank you for subscribing, turning on notifications long ago, a loyal viewer, much appreciated. I do not, I do not uh, take for granted anyone watching. I appreciate all the viewers that we're getting. Thank you so much. Uh, Scott says, collecting is it for me too. I enjoy watching, but collecting far outweighs that. So there's someone else in your corner there, Chris. Uh, Christina says, Mavs game equals date night in our house. I think that's probably obvious to everyone by now. Jason, thanks for going overtime, guys. Pleasure, Jay. Just pulled into the driveway. Excellent show, Jeremy. Thanks, Chris, for coming on. And Christina echoes my thoughts. Jay, glad you got home safe. You weren't distracted by the show too much while you were driving on the highways. Carlos says, this is a masterful filibuster. This is why the OG House of Jordans episodes ran four hours. Nicely done. I agree. And if I haven't, I shut it out earlier, guys. We got a lot of content creators in, in the room right now. You got to you gotta follow, you got to listen to these guys' shows. Fit them in when you can. Mine is probably the longest on YouTube right now with these episodes going two hours. I tell people, watch them in chunks. Don't get overwhelmed and watch them all at once. They are long. We're, we got about a 24-episode library after this one. So take them a bit, of a, a bit at a time. I understand you're not going to watch it all at once. They are long, but I do appreciate everyone that does watch. Okay, awesome stuff. Um, Chris, unless you have a, because I was going to ask you what your most recent pickup is for your personal collection. Do you have it handy to go as a way to say goodnight to everybody? Oh, most, yeah, right here. Um, well, one of them anyway. No matter of fact, I'll do, I'll do a different card. I already, I already showed a look of one of one. Let me show something else. This card was a gift um, or, you know, a, a this is a Vanguard Luca rookie card from 2018-19 Panini Chronicles. It's out of 10. It was um, – I, I helped a great collector uh, from the Philippines who collects Kobe. I helped him do a deal with a local guy, and he and, – you know, I just served as an intermediary. And he sent me that card as a compensation. And, you know, you talk about the generous generosity of people in the hobby. Uh, it's it's just unreal, um, the, the benevolence, the generosity – the friendliness of all of us. And, you know, the other side of the coin is everybody's also very competitive and, you know, really wants to make great PCs and do good deals and get the best opportunity that they can. But like, but, you know, people are so generous, so hospitable in this hobby. Um, that was, that, that floored me. And so I think that's a great one. I love the card. It's beautiful. I, I'd made an Instagram post about it not long ago. Yeah, I saw that. And I love Vanguard back in like, 1990 i don't know four five six in there somewhere uh pacific put out a vanguard product in hockey and i remember these cards were so cool it almost felt like they were made out of metal but with some sort of other finish on the on the surfaces they were super heavy and sharp and i, I collected them a little bit and I, I i don't still have those cards but when i saw that the card that you post on instagram that luke i thought Ah, okay. That's this nostalgic for me. It's already nostalgic going back. What is that? 25 years almost. I might have to look at these and maybe grab something to, to fill that void for my own collection. So awesome card. Thanks for showing it. Um, very quickly. Uh, we have a few comments coming in. Rodman is, where is he? There he is. Oh, sorry, wrong comment, but hello again, Jake. 
Here we are. Rodman says, uh, original uh, OGHOJ, House of Jordans fan here since episode one. Yeah, same here. Rodman, thank you for tuning in and watching, man. One of my uh, first Instagram friends, I could actually say. Awesome stuff. Yeah, and Christina thinks Vanguard is a fire set. Yeah, definitely awesome. Chronicles is an amazing product, Christina says. We're going to rip through these comments, then we're going to say goodnight. Ziggy, goodnight, everyone. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Chris. Stay healthy and safe and hope to meet everyone one day. Same here, Ziggy. Yeah, are the Vanguard similar stock to the old? I was just talking about the stock and the hockey cards, and I haven't felt them, but Chris, are they? Are, do they still feel that way? Do you know? That I, don't know how, I don't know how the old hockey ones felt, so I can't yeah. speak. And the one you have in hand is, is slab, so you might not even be able to feel it. Anyway, good night, gang. Way past my bedtime, but love spending the evening with you all. Thank you for tuning in, Jake. Awesome to see you. All right, Austin says good night. Chris, man, this has been epic for me. Thank you so much for joining. I think that... Uh, down the road, when Card Ladder is, has, has, is, is more robust, has matured as a product, we can look back on this video and, and really hearken back to the good old days when it was just in its infancy. I wish you guys massive success with it. I, I love the looks of the thing. I love what you're trying to do. So I, again, I wish you big success with it. I hope that you're able to um, accelerate the adding of cards without compromising the integrity of the data. Um, I, I, I don't want to see that compromise. I want to see you guys stick to that because to me, that is going to be your calling card. That's going to be what's going to really set you apart. Uh, Amit asked earlier, what, what do you, how do you set yourself apart from, uh, market movers? And I can't, I'm not saying anything about market movers because I've never used the product. I don't, I don't know what it does. I've seen the odd video about it, but you know, if they are not vetting their data to the extent you are, that is what may set you apart down the road from from that or any other product that's out there so keep up that great work keep up the hobby content because without it i'll be very sad i love watching it and a final just a good night thank you everyone for tuning in as always lots of great episodes coming up there they are again in the bot sorry wrong one there they are again in the bottom of the ticker look forward to seeing everybody again on saturday and the wednesday after that and the saturday after that al thank you for watching the show this evening it was great to have you Christina, thank you for tuning in. As I, of course, you're gonna I got your boyfriend beside me here right now. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Frankie, for tuning in. Thank you, Scott, for tuning in. Everyone else, thank you, Abdul, for tuning in. Everybody, thank you guys. We'll see you again very soon. And we're gonna wait for it to officially end the show for us. But we can chit chat. <laughs> well, <laughs> we're probably still live right now. It's still spinning up in the corner. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.